0: A triple play New episodes I can't wait oh, so yeah. Yeah. Open your mind At the first gate Press play No need to debate A.O.A. Check right, me out
1: What is going on ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, welcome back to the AOA show. I'm your host as always Ian along with the boys Isaiah. Oh hi yo. And Gavin. Gucci shoes. And today we're hitting you (laughs) with part two of our Tower of God discussions Q&A, really extended session here. Another 10 questions slated, but it's really more because you all sneak in more than that. And uh, wherever we could, we tried to fit in people that asked a similar question, slightly worded differently so we could give you guys credit where credit is due. So, hopefully you guys enjoy if you haven't already you definitely want to check out the first part of our discussion where we went over the first 10 questions they were all really good it's a long discussion but hopefully you guys enjoy it we want to go out with a bang now that we've caught up to tower of god uh so we're going to jump right into this second discussion here gavin you want to take away the first question for us let's do
0: this question number one comes from x guerrera (laughs) thank you so much for your question all right. So quickly, what do you think of Jihad's empire, uh, his ruling style, and Jihad himself? Elaborate. We see that regulars can get pretty decent jobs on the uh, pretty decent jobs and work on floors. He created a ranking system and let people climb the tower. Uh, became uh, become rankers. Yeah, oh, lived. to become rankers and receive <laughs> eternal. I was like, become rankers uh, to become rankers and receive eternal youth and great wealth. Uh, Before that, the tower was a wild place and no one could climb floors except irregulars. Now we see that he gives his subordinates pretty decent working conditions with weekends and uh, with weekends and independent forces like Fug and Wolhang Song can operate freely in the tower until they attack Jihad or threaten his empire. Uh, It seemed... It seems like my personal opinion. The further we go, the less Jihad looks like a typical villain. What do you think of him and the system he created? Um, inter- Interesting as you read it. I, I a lot of it comes in the bias that it's wording. I guess just, I, we don't. So obviously we don't know Jihad himself. And I feel like a lot of like. In, in terms of breaking down this question and what has been listed forward, like, has been listed by uh, Guerrera in terms of, you know, he lets people have the weekends off. And, you know, he allow and just creating the whole system that he did, I also, like, it—I'm trying to, like, facilitate my thoughts in a matter. So we— I guess we don't, so we don't know a lot about Jihad and I guess we also don't know that he's a good person and we can use details that obviously portray him in a better light. And there are de- and there are information that we know that also put him in a negative light. So saying that, Oh, he may give people, you know, there, he'll allow people to work on weekends. For example, I don't necessarily think that is a benefit or is a good thing or makes him a good person. Although it might seem like it. Cause it's like, Oh, he lets people have weekends at the same token. It's like he created, he created this system and you might say, Oh, it allows people to climb the floor. But you also know that it's rigged in senses like with the 13 month series and princesses that he instilled that it is literally, it's a trap. Like there, you can't, there's no princess that can collect all of these swords, use them and get the prophecy that he has already laid down. So it's like he created a failed system in a sense. Now, since we do know that as a, as a fact, I mean, from Yuri trying to ignite both of them and that was the like actual response, um, I I do feel like that he has created he has created this system where he is on top and he doesn't want that to be taken from him in any sort of way. And you know, he may allow people to work and you know, climb floors and attain power in some sort of way, but that also doesn't mean that he created a utopia in a sense and i do think that there are negatives in terms of just any ruling of any sorts so i i again we don't know jihad and really anything about him other than just the one time he has appeared or Giga jihad and his data self but that wasn't enough information to necessarily say that he was a good or he is a good person and has a like up, he upstands his ruling properly um, i it's it's weird because i actually think that he isn't I think that he isn't as bad as people say that he is or think that he is, but I also, in a sense, do think that he does live up to that expectation in terms of him being a negative ruler. So it's I can see a catch-22 in between, but I do feel like it's more in the negative just because I do think that he is fearful of losing his power and will go very far out of his way to make sure that he keep said power like a dictatorship and i mean it's as as good of a dictatorship that he's running or try to flaunt it to be as you know being a utopia naturally there isn't just because there isn't that form of like democracy set and he is willing to go out of his way to harm people that go against it where we get fog and will song I don't think that he just allows them to exist I really think that he doesn't care about them because they haven't actually caused a a, they're not a threat worth him pursuing and now that they are because he fears that they can overtake him or there's a possibility that they can in the future now he is actually going to go after them but I don't think he just lets them exist for the kindness of him heart out the kindness of his heart they're more or less irrelevant to him so and that kind of plays into his personality and if he is the pinnacle which is what has been portrayed in terms of this society it's in he it's almost like um what's that? he has, he has a high he has a big ego and you know he doesn't have to worry about um really anything until a problem arises and he snuffs it out i mean he has read which is literally a whole team of assassins to go after people who don't really mess with Jihad in any sort of way. And it's like just the fact that you need to have the social secret service to snuff out people who are against you again, doesn't really put you in a very good light, especially if you are creating a society as positive in which you are saying in this question. So I do think that there are are a lot of detractors to to Jihad and that just goes with some of the systems he has in place. And that raises some red flags for me. Um, yeah. So I, I don't think he's all that's caught up to be, but I do think that he has done some positives in terms of his ruling and they may seem like positives. However, I do think that um, it is outweighed by probably shady stuff that he definitely does uh, on the back burner.
1: Yeah. Um, good question. Thank you for asking it. And I mean, you know, said it a million times, we'll say it again. This is one of the most interesting things in the story to me and I can't wait until we get more answers. Um, but to answer this question, I believe Jihad is human. Actually, the wiki would indicate that he is. So he's definitely human. But, um, you know, what I mean by that is that there, I don't think there is really a real possibility for an absolute utopia, right? In the sense that people think. And basically, it's a long-winded way of saying that every person, whether they're in power or just on a normal scale, are going to have positives and negatives that surround them. So Jihad, um, I don't think of as, you know, I'm assuming what you meant in the question, this archetypal villain of, you know, like I need to blow up the world or like, you know, there's some like crazy, crazy thing going on. Um, I do think he is, he was an adventurer at heart who basically came to this tower that was shrouded in chaos, right? It was nature that basically had supreme rule with the gods or administrators and the ancients and, and whatever else was going on and the tests were harsher and everything was kind of this more, you know, grounded in a natural sense, but also, you know, nature can be beautiful, but could also try and kill you. And jihad kind of brought order to what that was, um, which is something that I think is a good thing, at least, you know, in the short term, unfortunately, and we've seen the story play out so many times throughout any ancient texts or stories, or just in human history, that there have been great leaders, kings that have brought order to a chaotic place, and some of those kings, unfortunately, um, maybe even most, kind of rigidify and calcify and turn into this this embodiment of tyranny uh, if they are in power for too long. And if they, you know, are so grounded in this order that it prevents any sort of creative achievement from happening um, by people that are below them or by dynamic shifting and for change to happen, uh, that's something that they don't want to happen at any cost. And I think jihad is a prime example of that, which is obviously in the, in you know, in the long term and just in general, not a good thing when you stultify any sort of potential growth or change that could happen to try and help you and your civilization. Uh, or at least your civilization and your subordinates in the long term. So Jihad is uh, perpetrator number one when it comes to this for sure. He is this to a T. He is the king that has become tyrannical. Um, But with all that being said, that does not mean that every single aspect of what Jihad has done is negative. And I think that you in this question have pointed out just a couple um, positives that, or at least depending on how you perceive it, that came from his rule, right? Uh, you know, as in he does let people climb the tower, right? There are plenty of rankers within here that seem to have exorbitant amounts of wealth and a wonderful life and all of that sort of thing. Again, you know, he, uh, he does, he seems to be like attack when provoked style thing, um, all that kind of stuff. Now, somebody could come with a paragraph weighing all a bunch of negatives to counter every single positive. So I think that's where the argument comes into play and you kind of have to pick and choose what you're willing to live with or you're not willing to live with, right? And that's where bomb this archetypal hero, uh this you know young buck is coming in and basically going to change what has has rigidified now. Uh, He's going to change what has not been changed for so long, which means that there's going to be a little bit of chaotic stuff going on in the meantime, right? There's going to be a ruler that is, I'm assuming at the end of the story, ripped out from his throne And, you know, bombs are going to know exactly what to do right off the rip. So there's going to be a bit of a vacuum there. There's going to be a little bit of chaos and there's going to be a couple people that are scared to be like, crap, there goes my job or like, crap, there goes, you know, everything I had like chilling under jihad and all this kind of thing. Like, what are we going to do now? But that's kind of the, the, the play and the feel that you have to it kind of rolling with the punches in. If you want to uh, progress forward or you want to take the leap of faith to try and make some sort of uh, meaningful change. So, it's basically a long-winded way of saying that I think jihad. There are positives and negatives to that, and it, it comes down to what you are willing or not willing to live with in the in the you know in the grand scheme of things. I think one decent example would be uh, Bomb when he tries to uh, say to Gustang that he's like, okay, everyone on the floor, are death. Let's all let's free them all and all that kind of thing. And Gustang, you know, rebuttals with the fact that he's like, dude, they don't want to do that. Right. Like they're they're cursed to be here, but like they don't want to do anything else. And you can make the argument that it's like, yeah, because they haven't tasted right what that could be. And I was even someone and kind of still am in that boat. But again, that's just, you know, are they going to take that sort of security that Jihad has in place for them? Maybe being uh, stunted on some of the potential freedoms they have. You know, you got to think that like. 90% of the people I would, again, I'm just throwing a number out there, but I would say nine out of 10 people in the tower are not people that are trying to overthrow jihad or people that are like enmeshed into this, into the political side of things, right? Being like, oh my gosh, I have this like really hot take opinion. And I think that at all costs, like things need to change no matter what, right? I would assume nine out of 10 of these people are doing their you know, they're nine to five. They're trying to climb this tower. And quite frankly, they don't have the time to think about all of those external things, right? I think Bomb and our group are in a position that gives them a little bit more, uh, you know, leeway to think about those sort of things because Bomb is who he is, right? There's this prophecy that surrounds him. We have a very powerful group of people. So being embroiled in the politics of all this is where the story has to go. But I don't think majority of people are like that. So I think the majority of people are probably like, Ah, uh, whatever, take it or leave it, but like my life is pretty good, so I think you know that's that's the give and and take to it. Bottom line, Jihad is not uh, absolved of the sins he's committed. I do think he has become tyrannical, which is not good. So I think they need to, uh, you know, there needs to be a new president, a new king, <laughs> as it were, because he's getting you know a little crazy with it. But that doesn't deny the fact that he has brought order to what otherwise would be a completely chaotic plane of existence, and uh, for that. You got to give them a little bit of credit where credit's due. Anyway, that's my thoughts.
2: Um, So I guess just the question here, uh, what do you think of Jihad's empire? Um, I think it's a little crazy. (laughs) Uh, Doesn't work. I mean, the problem is a lot of these benefits that are listed in this question here do feel a little biased because they really are only benefits that benefit the people that are willing to submit to Jihad's system, right? If anybody has any questions, if anybody opposes it, if anybody has any different suggestions on how to do a certain thing, live a certain way, and that way happens to go against what Jihad wants, well, now, you know, they're either dead or getting kidnapped, killed, tortured, imprisoned, you know, whatever. Um, Which doesn't really sound like, you know, a healthy or beneficial society. Um, I also don't really personally, anyway, like, abide by the whole, like, this tower needed a king, Um, like, Jihad came in here and sort of, you know, civilized, quote-unquote, the tower, but, like, we don't know anything about life in the tower before he got here, like, who's to say that the tower needed him him or his system, Um, or, like, you know what I mean, like, Jihad has put a very specific system in play, and, coincidentally, that system happens to put him at the very top and nobody else at his level, which means, again, There is like, this stuff is all stuff that he has given to people, but he's only given the, nobody actually has a choice because you either oppose these rules and get sentenced to imprisonment or or death, or you submit to these rules and get to just live out your life doing any of the things that he allows you to do. This society isn't free in the sense that anybody can do. The only person who can do what they want is jihad, right? Everybody else, whether you're in jihad's empire, you have to follow those rules. If you're opposing his empire, you have to watch out for anybody who is on in his empire or is following these rules. The only people who yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to me that this empire I, I find it hard to believe and you know, again, we don't it's really speculation in, in terms of like power life uh, pre or yeah, pre-Jihad and, and the original ten. But I don't really think that any society where like one single like singular person has ultimate final say. Um, and gets to decide and shape things, like, can ever prosper or work? Because it, it literally implies and depends on that one person staying incredibly humble and morally just, you know, forever, for as long as they rule, right? The second they start getting corrupt, the second their thoughts, wants, needs, and desires become twisted and morphed, that then ends up, like, sprinkling down and it reflects in the rest of the thing that they govern, right? If jihad is corrupt and Jihad is the, the singular person in charge of this entire society, how does the society not get corrupt if the person ruling everything is corrupt, right? So I don't, I don't really, I don't like the, the way he rules this at all. I mean, it makes sense given what we, you know, and again, fair enough, we don't have the full story, but from what we've heard and been able to piece together about Jihad's uh, journey, his ascension to the tower, or, you know, not the top floor, but the floor he deemed the top, um, and just his personal journey, it makes sense how he got to the corruption, you know, got to the, you know, the man, the king, the tyrant that he is now. Um, but I don't really think that it's, I guess, somewhat obviously right. And the ruling style seems innately flawed, in my opinion. Because um, it's a system, you know, it's a system designed to benefit jihad and jihad only. I mean, we we hear, we've heard so many times that, like, through Jihad's journey, he started becoming disconnected with people. He became, like, inept and unable to identify, communicate, and understand what life is like, what living life is like for somebody who isn't him, who isn't born with all these this talent or isn't born with all this skill and ability and, or, or, you know, inquisitive nature. So, like, how can somebody like that rule over hundreds of thousands of people who do live like that. It just, it's, there's a huge, there's too big of a disconnect and a gap and a willingness not to want to close that. That makes me think that there's, you know, this was doomed from the start.
1: All right, fair enough. Any other thoughts on this one?
2: All right, move on to the second
1: question then. Uh, Second question comes from Smile, please. Thank you for the question. Smile asks, which characters do you see dying from our side in this arc? Now that there is no way to get spoiled anymore, please go nuts with talking about who it could be on the chopping block. (laughs) Uh, So good question. Thank you for asking it. Uh, Damn. Um, You know, it's interesting because we were just talking about last time, um, in our last discussion rather, about how one of the weaknesses, ironically – posed yet again by Smile is uh, the predictability slash, you know, the uh, erring to the side of safety when it comes to, you know, putting characters on the chopping block. Um, which is now ironic because I'm like, I don't know who it could be, right? <laughs> um, but I think that Man, I you know what it is for me personally, I think it comes down to how much more of the story there is. And what I mean by that is if there is a large amount of time to go, I don't think that any of the major major characters are in danger of death. Could be wrong, could eat my words on that. But I think the shorter the story is, the more likely it could be that somebody that is more main can die. And I think it's almost like this uh it's almost like this pyramid Of things where it's like you have your total randos at the bottom that like any of them could die at any second right they're dying in droves all the time nobody even knows their name then you have like a level above that where it's like we know who they are they're kind of like offbeat characters but we nobody really cares too much about them right they kind of make minor appearances then a level above that would be ones that are part of the group per se they're like but they're not main, right? You get, uh, like, I think, you know, an example of one, one that comes to mind is like in Elaine, Elaine or something like that. Right. Someone who is like played a role, had an arc is someone that is like part of the squad, but isn't really doing anything active in the squad. And then I think there are, you know, beyond that, there are the people that are very active, active in the squad and we know their name and yada, yada. And then the top of the pinnacle is like, you know, your raccoon bomb, you know, th- those kinds, right? Like the actual, like, major and um, main characters of the story. So that being said, I think the the shorter the story is the more likely that you could go up the pyramid with who can die whereas the longer the story is I think you're kind of more stuck at the bottom couple levels there. So that being said, I think that personally there's a bit to go with this story so that being said in this arc I don't I could see, someone on like level two or three going someone who's like pretty like we know their name they're a pretty cool cat they're doing some they're doing relevant things to help but they're not like absolute main characters um so who are those characters shit uh i don't know i, I really don't I, I mean i i don't know man i think uh I don't know. Any of you guys got anything? I, I genuinely don't know who would die. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm
2: Yeah. I, I just went through all that, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I was like, you were talking, and I'm like, no. Nah, I was just like, what is he saying? Because uh, I was trying to figure out, like, who you were trying – if you were pointing at somebody specifically, and then you're like, I don't know who could die. And I'm like, wait, no, <laughs> I was just making, like, a graph in my mind of, like,
1: who would be more likely to die. But with that being said, I still don't know specifically. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I had to pinpoint a character, I mean, who I that would one. be. Go ahead, shoot. I don't know. Um... God. Oh you're just gonna say Endorsey <laughs> 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 That is just because
0: smile ants asked this question again, wow. you get endorsey and you also get a pass for that what happened because uh, the way I answered that first question was horrendous. Um but Dude, on a more realistic note, um similar to what you were saying, I feel like the main three would survive as in Raccoon Bam. Uh, I don't really see a way that they could kill him. I mean, they already tried killing off Coon twice or three times. <laughs> like honestly, every if you other kill other like, other like really, what
2: <laughs> said, every other chapter, I feel like yeah, every, every other, other chapter. So it, yeah, up. just kidding, you didn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, if if you put an ice in his bat or like if you pick him in the back and kill him, I'm just gonna be like, bro, come on. It's just you. You already beat that to death. Um, so I feel like our three mains are safe. If I had to make a wild guess, it would either be someone from the OG group, so although I wouldn't, it's very circumstantial, and I feel like it depends on the situation and how, what bearing said character would have in the current problem going on that would cause them to die, and that, and it's, it's really creating that whole situation, and then analyzing it from that aspect, but with that said, say like a hot. You know, although mm. I wouldn't want it. You know, it would have to be of that caliber, I would feel like, from yeah. Shibu's, Shibusu's Shibusu team. I, was I mean, even Shibisu himself, although yeah. I really don't feel like he's that type of character that would be killed. But, I mean, then again, I feel like it would be a character of that caliber, although I do love them. If not, it would be something similar to um, Dang Dang. You know, an oh. introduced character. We, like, he tries yeah. to drive home the feels in terms of us, like, yeah. t- relating to him, connecting to him. And then pretty much cutting them off a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do feel like that's the route that's probably going to be taken in the future other than killing off OG characters because that just kind of seems... Like SIU said it himself, he doesn't like killing off his own... own, They're like his babies, you know? He doesn't like killing them off. And although he knows that he has to, I do feel like he is going to limit that to the utmost extent until, say, a specific situation arises, in which case it couldn't be anybody from the main cast because then you have no story. So it would have to be someone like who I mentioned before, like like a hot, I can't see like a knock dying just because like the longevity aspect of her character. Yeah. Like she's like not even it, here. It, yeah. She's yeah like I was not thinking even that. You yeah. Know? yeah. So it, it's a, it's something of that nature um, with relevancy, you know, it's hard to answer, maybe, right? Yeah. It, it is hard <laughs> it to answer. And, I, I I'm, and I'm really trying to think in terms of like rankers per se. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I, I could see a possibility for like a Han Sung. Although he is one of my favorite characters, you know, it's just like trying to find out some of those, like, characters you wouldn't expect, but also, you know, could possibly get away with dying without impacting the story too much in terms of where Mm. it would go. Even, I mean, I could even argue, like, an even Kel. I mean, although they already they already es- she escaped death once so i feel like just doing it again is a redundancy issue but like i feel like he can almost get rid of anybody on that caliber that isn't the main crew and continue yeah, the storyline um so yeah, yeah it's so like a to quattro say. Br- <laughs> or like a blitz um quant you know something of that nature
2: uh however i wouldn't want to see that happen so Who do you we'll think? have to find out um i think to be honest all right so like it's kind of not the thing is i don't know how you know not to drag this into like a welcome to the real world thing but like i don't know how popular the story is gonna get or be by the time like we're nearing like the end um because unfortunately i do feel like that might play into like who ends up getting to stay in the story and who doesn't mm. um but taking take, putting that aside for a second i do genuinely think anybody other than the main three wong non and anybody in that uh like anybody in the in the group that we met in season one. So like Endorsey, Anak, Shibisu, um Endorsey, Anok, Shibisu, Hats, like Yuri, like a- anybody that we met in that seat in the season one grouping of characters, um, I think is you know, I think would be safe. And then I think anybody else is up to to be killed. Um, but to be honest, realistically, I would I personally would like and it's tough because i don't i I understand what he means by like you know i mean like obviously like he you said like he he would hate to kill any character you know especially ones that like we've either been with for a while or not but like i don't know the idea to me to me personally that any character except for like the main three and Wangnan being up for grabs is um i like but i don't I, i actually don't like this idea that like getting rid of them means killing them because like we saw with Serena, like, there are ways that you can cut characters out of the story and not be involved, and you don't have to kill them. Like, I think that I think that mindset delves into the, like, well, you know, if they're going, like, send them out in fireworks. Like, you gotta kill, like, you know, I need bloodshed. And, like, I don't think, I, I just don't think that's obviously, like, you can do it. And you, if, if, that's my main thing. If the story puts them in a position where it's like they have to fight for their life, so be it. But, like, I don't actually think any of these characters has to be killed to be cut out of the story. And that way I think it even might like not justify per se, but like, you know, let people down easy. If it's like a character they really like, like, let's say like, like Hots, like, you know, I, I actually don't think personally with that character that this would be the case, but let's just say like people, people fuck with Hots. People really love with Hots, us three included. Yeah, I think it'd be harder. It'd be easier to swallow that. Like, he had to either leave or like, you know, like some circumstance that takes him out of the story, but he's still alive. I E again, something similar to, or like Serena's case, um, rather than, or maybe Hans is a bad example. Yeah. Cause I really, that just doesn't work with, Hans. you know but what maybe- I
1: was thinking? Uh, just to, just to maybe this, uh, carries with it. I'm thinking that anyone who hasn't had like a resolution to their arc or like unanswered questions, those are the ones that I, do, that I think might be the safest. So for instance, um, right, Rack is maybe a bad example because he's like one of the main trio but to be fair he hasn't gotten nearly as much screen time so he could be but i i feel like right there are so many unanswered questions with that character in terms of is he an ancient what are the limits to his rock abilities like there's so many answered things like it'd just be kind of weird to kill him off because there's just so many questions we have and then if he just dies it'd be something oh, or you sure, take sure. someone even like a hots i was thinking too with like we've never seen him use that sword yet right so it'd be kind of interesting for them to you know remember his like badass sword that right so like they could kill him fair enough fair Enough, but I guess I'm just my head canon is like it, you know, that'd be kind of like taking the wind out of the sail if they introduce like he's gonna use that sword and be something really cool and then he just dies, right? And he doesn't use it or whatever, like he could use it then die to be fair, but I think that's the point, right? I think that like characters that still have unanswered questions and still have like an arc to go through or like a, a beginning, middle, end, which a lot of these characters still do, it might be it might be uh, not safer to kill, it might not be safe to kill those characters off, whereas characters that have had kind of like a resolution to their arcs or don't have a lot of unanswered questions up in the air, right, like might be a little bit of a safer choice. So I actually think, think like Shibasu believe it or not, could, if it was going to be
2: wanted someone that main, yeah, could, I be could be Yeah, see someone. somebody like Shibisu dying. I think it's just, it, it's weird because the safety net Of all any of those characters that we met in season one, I feel like that bond with the the audience is so strong Mm -hmm. that it's hard to, it would be hard to not justify any of them dying. But like those, all right, those are the people that I think fans would be the most upset of if you had to pick a character to die. Anybody, again, in that core group or let's say like a Wang Nan, because he's kind of like low key touted as the second main character here, Mm -hmm. Um, you know. I, I initially was going to say, like, oh, and you can't do sweet and sour like that. But we kind of know that's already been done. And so I actually do think that other than Wang Nan, the rest of that team is totally up for grabs. Any one of them could die or all of them or none of them. Um, but I think really, yeah, like Raccoon Bam, Wang Nan. And, like, I, wouldn't, I would actually even say, like, Yuri and Dorsey and... and and maybe hots yeah though three Wong Nan, Yuri and Dorsey hot those seven I honestly think anybody else is up for game
1: maybe i could uh, go ahead gavin i right don't
2: right. know i don't
0: really i don't really agree with the sentiment that because the audience has a good bond with them he wouldn't risk killing him off specifically i guess for hots because look what happened to papa raptor and i mean like literally that's he fair. was called daddy raptor and he had that bond with everyone <laughs> like, like i mean i mean let like, i mean like, that's am well, not the, saying they can't die well, no, but, just but saying but what i'm saying in getting terms at, of the audience is uh, Gavin's like, like he was called daddy
2: raptor no, and but what they i'm getting at him. is for
0: me at least i feel like hots is almost in that same camp as, say, a Papa Raptor, where it's like, Mm. I get it, a lot of people like him, but also keep in mind, he he hasn't had the screen time, quite frankly, and it's like, I do feel like he would be a character who could be up to grabs because if you're gonna throw Shibisu up there, I feel like he weighs a lot more in popularity than say a Hots. And that's kind of the weird thing when it's like you throw popularity into the whole, like, well that's what makes them safe. I really do feel like it just depends on who structures and who is more of fa- more of a foundation to the storyline that is running and which Hots hasn't been a part of for a while and he isn't a foundational character. He I don't like how you're coming you know. to my man Hot's no right no now, and that's <laughs> no but we're getting at. is I like Hotz and, and I don't want playing. him to die but it's like I do feel like unless you are literally a, like the foundation person or people in this story, realistically, yeah. you should all be up for grabs regardless whether the yeah. audience likes it or not. Even if it's like Lero Roe who dies, who is one of my favorite characters, like <laughs> it, it's just, it has to be of, like in my opinion, it has to be up to if it plays into the storyline, which he hasn't been a part of for a long time and isn't a foundational piece to it, then if, in my mind, I can't just be like the ignorance is bliss card in terms of he'll never die. Well, let's so be real. I just, yeah, I, hold on. I, I just want to
2: state that I was not at all saying that, like, popularity is the end-all be-all. Like, if everybody loves them, they're immune and they can't die. That's not what I was saying at all. All I'm saying is that, A, that is a realistic and, you know, kind of ugly side to this whole storytelling and narrative, and especially if you're trying to tell a larger, po- more popular story, like, that shit happens. Literally pick any big anime that sh- that has happened. It, but my point is that, like sort of like what Ian was saying, Hots, while he hasn't had a lot of screen time, that works both ways, where it's like, yeah, he hasn't had a lot of screen time, so he may not feel like a larger focus, but that also means that his narrative is still open to concluding, right? We haven't really gotten any resolution with that character, where it's like, you take a Shibisu, he like, you know, I'm not saying he can't grow anymore after where we're at with him now, but he, if he were to die, like he, I feel like he's gone through enough of a resolution that, like, the next step for him might be like having to make as big of a play as putting his life on the line for people. And like that to me makes more sense than like hots doing it. Cause it's like, we don't even really like hots has like, you know, it, it would be like a robbing the character, you know, of their, their moment too soon kind of thing.
1: I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Bottom line, let's be real. We know nobody relevant is dying anyway in this. I can't wait for this to somebody to clip this and then to play it back and it's like somebody relevant died. But like I'm be real, dude. I don't know. If anyone's dying, it's probably like Doan or something or like Cha uh, when I, when yeah. I really think about it because it's like yeah. they were again one of these like arc specific multiple arc, but you get my point. Like you know, grander thing specific in this moment of time here. And it's like, they're kind of exemplifying what this arc is about and all that. And like at least a micro level of it, right. You get your baddises and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I feel like they're there that, or the your dang, dang stuff like that. And I feel like those characters, a lot of times are the ones that are most likely to get the chopping block because oh, sure, it's like, yeah. it really drives home the, the sadness of it. For some, but it, you know, but it's not making the super risky play of killing someone that's like, oh crap, if we kill this person, it's like, we killed this person. We can't have them again for the arcs to come, right? Where it's like a Doan or a Cha or something like that could most likely die. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that like the overall, you know, thing, like the overall story isn't majorly impacted. Um, I can eat my words on that one, but I'm just like, it's just so tough because this arc is going to be fights. It seems like they're going to play a game, right? Mm. Where it's like I'm assuming it's one v ones of some sort. So it's like pretty major players are going up to bat. So it's like you know those would realistically in this arc, because that's the question, be the ones on the chopping block. But mm. who knows? I was gonna say Yama for a second because because his brothers could carry on his name. Because I'm like, okay, maybe he ballsy he's Why? ballsy and kills Yama but yeah i feel like white could even uh, white, white maybe even he has he's gotten story, his yeah. power back although that would be kind of a buzz kill if he like finally gets his power back Donald he gets he one fight find. and then dies
2: <laughs> yeah, he just got into his well i mean keep in mind it would
1: have to
0: depend on how his relationship is with bam because sure, don't sure. forget he wants to literally eat him like a taste or cake. caliban so unless that can be like caliban too, maybe yeah.
2: caliban dies bomb gets robbed of his glory <laughs> you know what i mean type yeah. thing i think the main thing though is like I don't know. We've seen this story, like, you know, we mentioned in the last discussion, play the card of, like, safe over, you know, uh, intentional, right? So, it's like, like I said, I'm not trying to be, like, oh, outside here in the real world, but there's a track record here. And unless SIU drastically changes how he wants to tell the story, I would say, nine out of ten times, he's probably going to pick the safer route, which means that most of the cast that we are with are probably going to be fine over... A character that we either just met or somebody who is not—we're never going to see again anyway, so it doesn't yeah. matter.
1: I think yeah. if anyone relevant is dying, it's not this arc. Oh, yeah. uh, it's no. when they actually get into the place, like, like the, yeah, bre- break the like, third wall, yeah. because Evon Kel states something. The the sniper girl told her the secret. To, hmm. you know, whatever an email oh, and Kel says the, something yeah, along the, the lines of, like, if we can't tell anyone because if they knew that, they'd all quit. Yeah. So it's like, well, that's pretty damn relevant, right? Yeah, Probably yeah. some pertinent information there. So I think that might be some, like, get the soul stone. You got to sacrifice someone, you know, gig, some, maybe mm-hmm. something along those lines. That's when I think that maybe some lives are on the line. Anyway, let's get to the third question.
2: Sure. I say, Take it away, my friend. Uh, this one comes to us from Blue Drigon. That's just Dirtagon. an incorrect way to say dragon. Uh, <laughs> it's Doctor Gone. Okay. <laughs> uh, they say, do you have any guesses on who will fight on on who will f- who will fight who in this game Yasaracha is planning? Will Yasaracha just let Caliban and his crew pass? Um, do, uh, do I have any guesses on who will fight who? I I mean, no. The only thing I can really say with any level of confidence is I don't think Yasaracha is going to pair himself with Doom. I think that's the only fight that I, I could see him not doing because I feel like if any if there's anybody that Yasaracha might genuinely think could either get a leg up on him or, like, figure out his shtick, so to speak, um, it's probably Doom because I kind of think Doom is the most, A, the most level-headed when it comes to, like, the canine people in general, but, but specifically of the Baylord Rose. brothers. Um, and he's the, also the most experienced. Like, he's the one who, like, has been around this this gig here and the and the Yasser, Yasser himself the most out of uh Paul and very knowledge- knowledgeable yeah yeah like yeah he has a lot yeah. of info um so you know that in Yasaracha's mind it's like yeah I'll fuck with literally anybody but him cuz he probably <laughs> is you know it's probably like Loki onto my shit um but yeah to be honest like I I don't even like know enough about the the you know the enemy forces to know it's like oh well you know so and so i know can do this so they're probably going to pair them up against like rack cuz like I don't, I don't even know i honestly i think those matchups are are you know anybody, anybody's guess um but as far as will yasaracha let just like calivan and his crew pass i don't think so i i don't I, I think i think it's been made relatively clear that yasaracha the yasaracha miss cheney uh low brick like that group of the army here sort of seems to be legitimately against Calavan and his squadron at this point. Um, so it would be very weird and kind of contradicting to be like, yeah, you guys can pass because, like, Calavan, when he passes, he's going to go kill <laughs> Lobrick. Uh, I mean, I don't you know I don't know how tough Lobrick is. Maybe he can give Calavan a run for his money, but my point is that that's Calavan's goal is to behead their squadron commander and then take that position and then fill out that squadron with his people. So that would include Yasaracha. You know, like, it, it seems that, like, as far as I'm concerned, right now, Caliban, his whole squadron, Bam, his whole, like, they're all enemies of Yasaracha mm-hmm. and their current squadron. So I, I think he's going to give them as hard of a time, if not harder, than Bam and company.
1: Did Lebowrick, um
2: go out there with him,
1: with Yasaracha?
2: He, I don't think he went out there with him, but he did like, because like, le- like, the, the way Miss Chenny sort of framed that conversation that they had is that she was like, all right, they made it to the second wall. We sort of, you know, governed and decided that, like, each wall was was going to have, like, a different commander in charge. So the first wall was Lobrick, Okay. The second one was Yasaracha. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. all right, you made it past the – they made it to the second wall. So, Yasaracha, I'm going to let you call the shots. Whatever you want to do, that's what we're running with here. But then Lowbrick seems to have, like, his own, like, secondary sort of scheme thing that he's running here because that's what he was saying in the in the meeting. So, I don't know. That's the other thing that, that – that, always kills me with the with jihad side or the enemy side is they don't they they never seem as connected and in sync as the good guys here do like I always feel like they're low-key all in it for themselves so yeah. it's like I don't know what the they wants like at the end of the day he might just start killing everybody I don't know uh so but yeah I think at the end of the day like I said the only pairing I, I can really see not happening you know and I know the question says which ones do you but I, I genuinely don't know enough about the enemy side to feel confident in pairing up. like I don't know what they want I don't know what the goal here is but I think it would be let's put it because Yasaracha does also have a habit of kind of low-key being an idiot um, or, or cocky very cocky um, so it would be smart to not pair himself up against somebody like Doom but I don't know that's my thing what do you think Gavin So, oddly enough, I feel like Calavan, I don't think Calavan
0: and his crew are going to pass, but I do think Calavan himself is going to be separate from this one-on-one, and I do think that he isn't really going to be on the front lines in terms of taking out these new people that we've seen. I do feel like there is, I mean, we know he's an, Uh, like an absolute powerhouse and was the commander in chief of this army at one point. So I feel like it's almost odd as if he were to fight them in a sense, because they do know how strong he is. And I feel like in a weird way, uh, labor or laboric has that, has that ego and mentality of like, oh, my shit don't stink. You know, I can take on anyone. And I do feel like in a weird way, if Calavan calls him out on his BS, that because don't forget the agreement that they made, although he didn't follow it to begin with because he didn't take any punishment. But Calavan said, if you blow the, like if, if the plan doesn't work as expected, like I like I'm gonna come there and you are going like I'm pretty much gonna reprimand you and then he was like All right, he was like yeah whatever and said that afterwards we found out that he was like I'm not I'm really not gonna do anything I don't care but if like Caliban comes knocking on his door and he's like well I told you I was coming for you like it's time I do feel like laboric is the type of person who would answer that call and go to and go to fight Caliban one on one and I, I don't know I, I th- it's more of my gut feeling that it would feel I don't I feel weird if Caliban was fighting the people that we see opposed from, you know, Augustus, Love, Bam. Like, you know, I just feel like he needs to be separate from them. And I feel like that's just because of how much of a powerhouse he is. Um, so I guess that's been my thought on Calavan. I don't think that they're going to let everybody through, but him specifically is going to be um, separate from this fight. In terms of matchup, uh, again, I don't really, I don't know, like, one-on-ones. I feel like maybe Love might match up against that mouse chick that floating mouse person because you have like a really funny dynamic with food like fried chicken and cheese um you know or something of that it's, it's something siu would do for fun that was good. um that. and you know i feel like that could be a matchup and maybe like um Augustus, possibly that guy who just sits on his chair and floats all day because he just seems very like proper and like Pompous, almost. So, like that kind of like fits in. I guess Augustus's personality. I almost feel like they're gonna they're gonna match almost personality wise, or like have a bounce off of each other that would add a little bit of comedy and seriousness depending on the matchup. Like, I don't think he would do a very serious person, and I mean he could like that super crazy guy maybe he can go against an Augustus, but. I don't know. And then we have the two twins, which I honestly at this point I'm kind of grasping at straws with who we even came down to begin with. Other than the guy sitting on the chair, cheese floating girl, oh, the ghost. So <laughs> yeah. there was that chick sitting on ghost. Maybe she <laughs> takes out the yeah, I mean, I don't know what else that was other than a spirit. No, no, no. no. I, yeah, yeah. Um but maybe she goes after the twins. Um, so let me I'm but, just curious
2: yeah. because so what you were saying Caliban specifically mm-hmm. might be let go, but his, his his squadron would be kept behind. Yeah. Do you think after Caliban watching his other whole squadron get blown up, mm-hmm. that he would leave his squad, the rest of his squadron behind, and pursue that goal. Or do you think he would stay back again yeah. and fight anyway?
1: My question is, what squadron is he yeah, with? Yeah, he doesn't have right a now. Squadron. Does he have a squadron? Well, he yeah.
2: doesn't have like a full team, but he's got like Chian, he, ha, He's got like like one or two other people that are that are from his original squadron. Uh, I that forgot. Are there to back him. Yeah, okay. yeah but
1: what?
0: Would he benefit by? Because I mean, we we know Caliban's intentions in this fight isn't to help Bam. It is just to overthrow. Or no, no, no. But that's my point: Loric. is he wouldn't be
2: fighting to help Bam. He'd be fighting because if he leaves more of a squadron behind, then everybody's dead. And yeah, he, and we know he just got pretty emotional after watching. The I rest thought of them that um,
1: somebody said that he that they wanted him to go on the front lines because they didn't. Or it was Han yeah. that because they didn't trust him from behind. Mm -hmm. So now that the new game is here, it maybe throws a wrench into it. So maybe Caliban... I think, personally, Caliban has to verse uh, Laborek one-on-one. That's just for narrative purposes what makes sense. Um, But there could be a play where it's like, you're going to go against Jihad's army? He's like, yeah, for my honor and my boys? Yeah. You know, and he Mm -hmm. might. Um, But I think it might be more of like he's fighting side dudes and just obliterating them, and it's not like main, main dudes. And then he gets to Laborek, and that's like the main boss. Um, And then I also think that... Personally, I think that Yasuracha is going to fight um, Yama. Yama, yeah. Uh, just, for, again, for narrative purposes. I feel yeah. like the matchups are going to be what you wanted them to be. Put it that way. What you expected them to be, right? Even though Yama seems to be at a complete disadvantage, um, just for narrative purposes, there's going to be something where he's able to maybe bypass the mind control and Yama's going to get his one-two. The other on, thing is,
2: we know that Racha, like really has never been about like like, you know, I'm loyal and honest and fair. So I kind of feel like this whole thing of him being like, everybody's going to be one-on-one actually kind of means that, like, some of these fights are probably going to be pretty rigged. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that he's going to, like, you know, twist or, it in his advantage. Or
1: he's so damn cocky that he wants to fight all the brothers at the same time. All three of the brothers. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. Because he's like, I can mind control you. But then he doesn't realize. He's
2: like, oh, no, they did a thing. And now I can't mind control them. He, oh. Yeah, Ysarach is weird. Because as much as I'm like, <laughs> you know what it is? He's not smart. He's crafty right? And, like, there is there's a difference because he's not... Because he, I could see him doing some stuff like that, which, it's like, dude, even if you can control the canine people, that seems kind of dumb. <laughs> like, why would you... Why wouldn't you systematically take them out one by one? Because if you can control one of them, you don't even have to worry about other, mm. Like, you know, and again, do my... Like, I don't know. I, I feel like, yeah, he's crafty, but he's not smart. He is a little cocky. So, like, maybe he tries to take them all on. But, I, but hmm. yeah, then I'm like, but, you know, it would be smart of him to take, you know, use that, this rule to his advantage and... So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't
0: know,
1: bro. Yeah.
0: I'm it's kind of rigged from the start because you also <laughs> have the two twins that literally aren't going to be separated and they're not going to count as one person. Yeah. So, it's like, this is yeah, all like It's already not going to be a B one on ones. one. Huh?
1: These are all assuming that, yeah, it is the yeah. 1v1. Yeah, it's yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah, exactly.
2: we're doing 1v1. It's like, oh, you, yeah, yeah you want to, yeah. like, pinky
1: swear on that? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't believe that he's just going to, like... I just like, want the big cat to come down and pinky swear. <laughs> just, the cat's, like, on oh, my word. That's what I'm
2: saying, bro. Like, why would he, you know... I don't, I don't know. buy him. I don't believe him. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think he's
1: going to let Calavan and the crew pass, though. I don't think so, but...
0: Yeah, no, not the crew.
1: Anyway. um uh, You know what? Actually, there could be a, a, a world where maybe we're underestimating Yasracha... And Yasaracha is thoroughly sketched out by Laborek. And being that a lot of these guys are kind of like no honor among thieves style thing where it's like I kind of want to be the one there uh, or I just don't trust the guy that I'm working with. There could be a world where he's like, you know, he lets him go because he's like, oh, my beef isn't with you. Like um, like we have but the I, Yama thing going the th- and then he goes.
2: But I think the thing is if Yasaracha is a Lopo Bia, the Lopo Bia is one of the most loyal families to Jihad. So at the end of the day, Yasaracha probably has to side with whoever is more in Jahan's favor. True. And right now, if we're talking about Laborg versus Caliban... That person is actually Laboric, not Caliban, because mm. Caliban would be directly opposing Jihad's
0: orders. But if he was also sitting in that room with Laboric when that initial agreement was made, he would also then have to follow said agreement because that was from the squadron commander that was verbally announced. True. So that would, I feel like, weigh just as much in said favor in terms of what you just said, the latter. And yeah. that's kind of what I feel like is going to happen. Uh, bottom line, line is I say.
1: actually think it could go either way. I don't think I'm really set in stone on how this is going to play mm. out. Which is a way of kind of a cop out on the question, but that's okay. Uh, we're going to move on to the next one, though. And uh, I believe, Gavin, this one's yours. So whenever you're ready, mate. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I see what you did
0: there because question four is by Simon, mate. All right.
1: <laughs> if you remember back to the floor of
0: death, I actually don't. know I'm kidding. <laughs> um, when Gustang taught Joaquin his place, uh, taught Joaquin his place just with presence alone and what Joaquin said to Taller about the gods of the tower, what do you think of Joaquin's journey and his ego and arrogance? Do you think uh, Joaquin finally has learned his place in the tower? Um, So I guess for the beginning half of this question, I actually, it is escaping my mind. So I'm sure, I hope one of you guys remember it eventually, but I will kind of go toward, I guess, the end of this uh, question. I mean, we kind of hit on it a little bit in the last discussion in terms of like, his, uh, Joaquin or White's journey, his ego, his arrogance. Um, it, it definitely has gone through an evolution and I mean, you know, obviously his, uh, his height appeal <laughs> plays a plays a big, uh, big differentiator, the big differentiator in this, but, um, I don't know. I think White is just one of those characters who he's grown on me for better or for worse, either evil or not. Uh, his ego has definitely been there I feel like from the beginning and his arrogance I honestly don't really feel like it's changed as much as he does seem willingly more open to say work with people who before wouldn't ever given like he would have never given them the time of day like when we first met him and everything was manipulation everything was just getting him to where he needs to be in the future and it seems like he has lightened up as the story has gone on and he and as he's gone on his journey however I also don't feel like That is completely resolved, also given his character and his arrogance, because then again, we know that a lot of it has been tamed, quote unquote, because A, he wasn't in his prime or full power, so he couldn't really do anything about it. And he also had agreements made with um, the siblings that he had combined with um, back at, I forget what floor, but with... um, how were you and Dorsey was there when the female, um, the female sibling was pretty much like, all right, you can't like kill anyone or do anything like dirty, you know? And and that is like the condition in which I I will allow us to like combine. So there is that stipulation, which definitely also plays a role in terms of him having to uh, tone his arrogance down. And now that he has hit his prime and is looking at Bam like a snack, it does make me question a little bit on where he is starting to stand. Um, But I, I don't think that he is necessarily going to kill Bam and that it's like a weird like Ahsoka type thing or mentality. Um, But yeah, I like I like him. His journey has been interesting. I do feel like he has um, a bit left to go in this story. And I'm curious to see in terms of the arrogance that he still has to this day. How it will change as the story progresses in terms of will it really stay there like it has been in terms of what we know of his character or will it continue to tone down? Because I feel like if it is toned down to a certain extent into which, I mean, I would consider him a normal character, it would almost lose the essence of White himself. And I feel like you can't go that route. So in some way, he needs to keep his ego and arrogance. But how do you do that? In a safe manner, which doesn't including one to kill the main character of the entire story and keep him on the same team as him. Uh, so yeah, it's interesting, but um, yeah, pretty cool watching him grow.
1: Um, I will be completely honest with you. I do not remember his conversation okay, about the, one. <laughs> the gods. Um, to taller. I don't even know who taller is. Do you remember this?
2: Um, I don't know who taller is either. But I'm I'm Maybe I My assumption is that they're making a reference to the when he's talking to um, Caliban when he finally in the latest chapters when he finally transforms into white and um, he like he's talking about how powerful he is now and he's like oh I'm you know I'm finally at the form I was now and he's like although even that form is probably pretty insignificant to you gods of the tower which I think is a him referencing his encounter with Gustang but specifically talking about any of the ten heads and Jihad right and I think that the point of it is that it's supposed to show that way back season two, early Joaquin, like probably thought he was the hottest shit since Mm -hmm. the sun, but like this, but now white and the journey that he has been through, like it has forced him in a sense to grow up and, or, you know, grow up is a weird term, but like to open his eyes and sort of see the, the, the tower for what it is and see himself in the tower for what that is. Right. He's not, this big omnipotent being, this slayer that's going to cue everything. He is as strong as he is and his ego and his arrogance is still there. But I do think he does actually identify that like there are bigger fish in the sea than he, than him. And that like that gap might not be something he can close on just power alone. Mm. I, I mm. think that's what is referencing. Cause I remember that line. And I think mm. that line is supposed to be, is like a subtle cue that like there are gears turning in white head and he's not just like running the arrogant ship until it crashes. Yeah. You know?
1: I think there's something where it's like white, may have always known this. He just might not, not have been as vocal with it or he kind of repressed this into his subconscious. But when it's just becomes so abundantly clear, he just, you know, some of it is almost keeping up appearances with when mm. there's people, but he knows inside that it's like, all right, I'm not there, right? Because he, I, I would just say the internal, you know, battle that he goes with Uh, through his head with his father is just indicative of, like, he knows, you know, because as long as his father exists, he knows that somebody's more powerful than him out there. But Mm -hmm. when it comes to anyone who's, like, remotely less powerful than him or even people that are maybe a little more powerful than him and he doesn't know, like, his ego is there for sure. But I do think it has been maybe tamed a little bit or or he's, like, kind of uh, edged out trimmed some of the fat when it comes to just being blatantly stupid, you know, when it comes to that point, it's like, you're just so outclassed in some
2: uh, scenarios, but I don't know. Anybody have any other thoughts on this one? <clears throat> uh Well, I mean, I think that, I don't know. I, I think I would genuinely make the case that white, there's been growth in white's character and that I would even argue to say that there is a possible path of redemption for him. I don't think like redemption means that like, he's going to be like sitting, drinking tea with the boys by the end of this, but Getting White's flashback with the whole deal with his father, it does to me indicate that like White has not been like pure evil since his creation and since his like l- you know his literal birth. I mean, his father basically in a man you know forced him to make a pact with the devil in order to have any real shot at either existing and or being a part. He of, didn't force him though. I think well, that's very relevant. Okay, to be fair, my point is that give him an ultimatum. Yeah, but well, my my point in I that mean. is that there is a motive that is dry, that drove white to go down this path and he identifies like that that may not like there's co- lots of conversations and little you know quotes and lines that he's had throughout our time in on this team that indicate to me that he has critically thought about it which like you know say what you want i do think is the first step to understanding you know yourself your perspective where you fit in this world and like again i don't think it has to happen i don't i absolutely think white can stay on the evil train and you know either die by bam's hand or or you know maybe his father whatever um you know sort of just be consumed by that but i don't think it would be like an ass pull or you know out of nowhere or uh you know not warranted for white to have some kind of redemption um even if he ends up just sort of being this like weird neutral anti-hero um I do think that like the very from if you took joaquin like the you know the one that we met you know at the very beginning of the hell train and paired him with this white um I mean obviously literally but I do think like stacking up side by side white is a literal different person and and I say different person mentally because like I said the physicality is obvious but I think that he's a lot more I, I say a lot more collected but I say a lot more collected for white which might be like the that bar might be lower for you know, most people like (laughs) take like a bam, but for, for Joaquin for white, um, I do think he doesn't a hundred percent jump into battles without thinking, uh, without caring. Yes. He's still arrogant. Yes. He's still cocky. He has an ego, IE like him just flaunting sort of his power whenever we can. But again, like it's been established, that power is something to be reckoned. I mean, especially when, like, he's in his white, like, his, his final form, so to speak. He's not, like, a pushover, and he's not somebody that, like, can you can kind of just scoff at and be like, oh, you're just being a silly little kid. Um, and I do think that there's this weird, even, like, when he's fighting Calavan in the, in the most recent chapters, um, this the insistence on him, like, fighting Calavan sort of, like, to the fullest extent and not being not willing to kill Calavan until Calavan goes all out... Um, where I feel like Joaquin would have totally been okay with some like backhanded shady shit of like, yeah, chop his head off while he can't, while he's not looking type beat. I I don't know. I, I I just, I can't get over the fact that, uh, or rather I don't feel confident saying that white had no character development uh, since, you know, since he was Joaquin.
1: I think he would have, uh, I think as, so I think the, one of the distinctions that I have to keep on drawing in my mind is that Joaquin and white technically are not the same as in white is a, a conglomerate of all of the mm-hmm. siblings, and if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, but there is an air, a, a bit of their consciousness that inhabits him and their thoughts and memories. Sorry, their th- I'm like and their thought <laughs> and their thoughts and memories and such. Um, now Joaquin is the one that's kind of steering the ship, as it were, and his personality seems to be the one that is the main right, which which seems. Which seems I so I guess what my point is that I don't know how much of white is Joaquin, mm-hmm. and how much you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like 100%. whereas like Joaquin, I don't know how much of that is separate. Yeah. If it's just that he's going under white, but it's virtually just Joaquin because the other siblings are just like they're just silence, mm-hmm. and then it's the same person well, anyway. Or if it's or he was talking to Vincent,
2: more. his brother. Mm-hmm. Vincent made it sound like. Joaquin is basically the only one still there that like he Joaquin absorbs the siblings mm. and takes their power. But like they, like he, the way he talked, he was like, all we like, he's like, I was trapped. I was just in this, you know, secluded, you know, I don't know what he like space or, or air or whatever, but like Vincent, like there is no, it's not like they're all sitting in different chairs in the cockpit and Joaquin's just in front. It's like Joaquin's the only one who gets to have any semblance of consciousness or you know, or, or, uh, you know, being really like he just sort of literally consumes the siblings for their their power and their their essence but like they're okay. not Joaquin. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's definitely more Joaquin let's put it that way oh than that's, for sure. that's for sure that's for sure yeah
1: I was just confused because when when the sister finally agreed to fuse with him I just swore they had some sort of conversation uh-huh. where he said and then he said something along the lines of like yeah but she's still in my head or something like maybe she didn't resign full control maybe it's this yeah. scenario well, the, well, the specifically- thing is because
2: the siblings and Albedo who's the clone are different She's a clone of Joaquin. She's not his sibling. So the the ritual, at least from what I remember them explaining, that's why like she, her conch, her her being in consciousness doesn't just fade away because whatever the spell was, Joaquin only originally made with his siblings mm. didn't make it with Albeda because she didn't exist at the original uh, conception of White as a Slayer. Oh, uh, she didn't. No, uh, I'm I'm all over the place. Then
1: I don't know. I think um, the more I kind of think through White's whole thing. Um, I think he's he's equally as arrogant, personally. (laughs) Like, his ego is, like, is pretty much the same. I think that he always knew, even as Joaquin, well, he's been Joaquin, but, like, even in his initial thing that it's, like, there are some big people out there. But it's, like, when he's dealing with people that are just below him he just, you know, he's just that arrogant dude. He's just like, everybody else is trash. Like anybody on this level, but he knows deep down that it's like those people that are like way above him. He just doesn't, you know, it's like ridiculous, you know, it's like, he kind of got like smacked down. I think the Gustang scene is definitely one where Mm -hmm. It really put it in perspective. I think he like, he's not dumb, I guess is the point, you know, he's, he's got an ego, but I don't I don't know. I think personally his ego and his arrogance has been pretty steady across the board. It's just now that he's like, "Okay, I made I made a I made a promise that I'm going to go along with this and we had the contract with my clone hopping in with me now to be white." So I said I'm going to go through with this and like I got my own weird things going on, so I'm not going to like just totally go off the rails, but I guess that being sly and and selfish, I you know, to I guess you could argue, I think could be separated from ego and arrogance per se, and I think that his his ego is still uh still pretty big um, personally, but I don't I don't know. Anybody else have any other thoughts on this one? Nope. No. Okay. Question five comes from Bearvike. Uh, Bearvike asks: With Caliban joining Bomb in the latest chapters, complaints have started to surface that too many former villains are joining Bomb's team. However, in my eyes, most have valid reasons. Karaka grew to trust Bomb, and now that their goals align more, White sees Bomb as food, <laughs> mm-hmm. and Caliban simply wants to kill Laborek. What are your thoughts on this complaint, and would you be okay if it was if it continued to happen if a valid reason exists? So I actually, to be fair, can see merit for this complaint, but I also I also think it's interesting that they decided to complain when it was Caliban, because all things considered, I actually do totally see the reason for Caliban, and I do think that majority of the time, at least, uh, in these later arcs and chapters, that so it makes a little bit more sense from time to time. I actually had this issue personally, this issue arose with me, uh, from beta. Um, that was, and beta is actually the standout one personally, but I do think even with, um, with uh, Shasha as well. And I can name a couple others and maybe I'm picking at straws and maybe I'm being a little critical when it comes to some, but I, I could see the the room for complaint on this one in the sense that that was always something that bothered me because I'm like, you better have like a damn good reason for just like joining the squad. And not only that for the squad, accepting you right to like hop on board. And I feel like if there's a purpose or like an, a a motive that seems to align in that moment and you guys could coincide and then you split, it gives it a little more justification in my opinion but like the beta one for me is one that's just always kind of rubs me the wrong way because it's just like i didn't personally see much of a reason you could argue it's like yeah but he's part of Enicorn stuff but i mean no i'm like a more of like a meaning reason right it's like caliban's like we need to go to get laboric like beta just seemed to have like tagged along and there was like really not much repercussion for what went down even though he tried to kill them all and his outlook was terrible so anyway end of rant There. point is i can see i can i can relate to the complaint i could see why people are complaining about it but to be fair to answer the second part of the question here um what are your thoughts on the complaint and would you be okay with it if it continues to happen if a valid reason exists i am okay with it so long as a valid reason exists but i think that it can't be an ass pull um, that the, it has to be a legitimately valid reason. And it can't just be like, oh, okay, I completed this goal. And now all of a sudden everyone's like not questioning it. And then they're still along for the mm-hmm. ride. And it's like, whoa, didn't you kind of like do your thing already? Um, you know, that, that, that's where I would have complaints with it. Uh, I don't, you know, I think we've just got too many people in this damn squad to begin with. Mm-hmm. And we can't be turning every single good guy as part or every single bad guy As part of the squad, you know, Mm -hmm. I just think it gets a little crazy, um, at a certain point. So I I definitely see where the complaint is coming from, but I do think Caliban is an interesting case because I actually didn't, I saw that coming with Caliban and in my own mind was like, okay, it actually makes sense given Caliban's character, (laughs) You know, I think that's at the end of the day. If their character, if the character, if it makes sense with the character, like specifically, like what kind of character they are and from previous actions that we saw and all that kind of stuff, and you could sell me on it, then I'm cool with it. But if the character, it's like they were, they had like as part of their character, there was literally no reason. And then all of a sudden the next panel, we see them as part of the gang. That's when I personally have a problem with it. But those are my thoughts.
2: Um, I mean, yeah, I'm kind of, I also don't really have a problem with any of the, current villains that have joined bam squad because I, I don't know part of me doesn't even really the more i think about the story the more like the line of like good guy and bad guy um just doesn't feel as concrete as like other anime or other manga or whatever that i've read um because i mean this story does do a pretty consistent job of being like ever again you know we said this in our in our um first discussion but like Everybody is ultimately, in one way or another, trying to do the same thing, which is climb this tower. How they do it, who they align with, what, like, we've seen that, like, the one consistent thing in this story is that, like, people will do whatever they need to do to stay alive or climb the tower, get to the next floor. Who you work with and how long you work with them is, like, kind of just, like, part of the, it's part of the journey. It's part of the trail. Like, to be like, oh, I... Karaka have aligned as a villain. So I can never ever work with anybody who isn't a villain, even if it means getting in, having easier access to the next floor or more information or more power. Like that just feels ridiculous. (laughs) Like why I I, I don't believe any of these characters have that much pride in their, their status that like they, they would, you know, I mean, we've seen it. There, There has not been a single character except for arguably Bam who has, and, and even when he's made the statement, he still ends up doing it. Um, working with X or Y person, regardless of where their, their status or stances, if it means getting to the next floor or getting, you know, uh, the, the goal, the next thing that they want, whether it's power or information or whatever. Um, so all I have to say is I don't actually really, I, I totally like buy everybody that has swapped over. Um, I mean, Shasha, like, I don't even really like Shasha is just, <laughs> I don't really know what that girl is doing. Shasha just kind of feels like she's fucking around. So I haven't been like, oh, Shasha, you villain. What are you doing here? I'm like, oh, there she is. And to be fair, Shasha hasn't really been hanging with us that much. Like, she was with, you know, Bam's team a little bit after the workshop. But then kind of, you know, went off with um, uh, the other team, Rand's team. Um, and and kind of, you know, hung out with them. Um, Beta... Eh, I don't know. I, I don't really have a problem with it because I kind of Beta's situation kind of feels like Gara's situation to me, where it's like I've never I've never really looked at it like Gara tried to kill people. So like, why the fuck are, is Gara our friend now? Because it's like B- Beta had pretty significant or a pretty traumatic, uh, you know, experience slash upbringing, and I understand where his perspective came from. Again, just because it was a hundred percent wrong, um, there was like nobody in Beta's life to challenge that viewpoint. Right. Or to, to make him think, or even, you know, make, to make him think any differently or make him think that thinking differently would do anything. Right. All beta, all beta lived with and had was the the people that were torturing him, the people that were giving him this traumatic life experience. So once he finally met people that had a different way of thinking and sure you, I, I do think there's an argument that like the, the literal transition from, uh, you know, Beta being their their enemy to their ally was like a little was definitely rushed. Um, because again, to go back to like the Naruto Gar thing, I think that's a very smooth. Like it's a very uh, it's a much better handled. Like oh, Gar was the enemy here's like the the interlude here's the in, the, the in between where Gara has like self reflection and he's you know he's going through his thoughts and then he does like some stuff on his own and like now he's like with us i think that's
1: r- the key part for me you know what i mean the interlude he did his own stuff now you know what i mean yeah. yeah, like yeah. he comes no, back I, yeah that's what i'm sa- i'm saying yeah.
2: that part for sure could have been handled better because i think yeah. beta's was rushed but i don't not buy why beta would end up like be on our team or end up working with us i just think that that part of his his character arc was skipped um and then yeah, I guess Karaka. Karaka I actually like fully hundred percent buy. I don't really even, you know, it's it's funny, I guess hindsight's twenty twenty. But looking back, I don't even really like I don't even think there's a claim that Karaka was a hundred percent evil. I think Karaka was just like, you know, he's just again, you know, sort of like like a lot of these characters have just either been fucked up or traumatized by, you know, jihad or or some part of this tower in the system and we're looking for a way to attack that. We're looking for a way to get back at that and and get vengeance or or justice for the injustice they suffered. And now that they've aligned with Bam or now that their paths have crossed with him, they're like sort of being, you know, classic protagonist thing, being swayed by Bam's either, you know, his perspective and stuff and are like deciding to join with him. But I don't even actually think that, um, I think that ends with Karaka though. Like I think White is here with us, but I don't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like signing his name on our ally list. I I don't think it's like safe to be like, yeah, white's a homie. He would take a bullet for any of us. Um, Because I don't, (laughs) I don't think that's true at all. Um, And Calvin quite literally says, I am not your friend. (laughs) Like we are doing, I'm doing this so that I can get what I want. It just logistically and analytically makes more sense for me to work with you to get past this wall. But like, do not make the mistake. We are eternal. And he, like, he literally says that. So I 100% don't even count Calavan as an ally joining Bam's team because I think that implication means something like a beta where it's like, oh, now they're signing on with us and now they're just going to ride with us, you know, f- indefinitely and do whatever we want. But I don't think Calavan or White are even on that train to begin with. Thoughts? Um, To be brutally
0: honest – you guys like for people who do have complaints for this happening you're going to have to get used to it because like it literally comes with just bam as a protagonist like that is literally his whole purpose is to be the most like ignorant nice pure person humanly alive and that is attractive to people and then when you back that with like natural raw talent and superhuman abilities and being an irregular um uh, you're you're going to expect people to um, have a change of mindset when he <laughs> fights enemies and villains. Like it, it's literally built into the protagonist in any shonen that you watch. That is the backbone that makes them a great protagonist is being able to sway the mindset of villains and, and help them take that next step forward and change and bettering themselves. Like it's, it, it's written thematically in the story. So if, if it's a problem, it's going to continue. So be ready for it. And that's just how I see it personally. Um, and with that, that, reason there needs to be valid reasons for the change of mindset. Yes. And again, that just is kind of the backbone of what I feel like the story is and what many are. So it's not anything that should dissuade you. Um, and especially with why we have Calvin where they are and Karaka and other villains, like, They are very legitimate reasons and they are valid. And even if you consider shoehorn in ones like, um, say beta or Shasha, do you see them regularly? When's the last time anybody can remember seeing beta or Shasha? Like realistically, you know, and that's the thing where if they're not going to be relevant villains, you're going to have that change of mindset because that's a given being bam and the character that he is and say he does sway people over which he is going to if they're not going to be relevant in the story then they're just going to be on the back burner and took and they're going to make an appearance at a later date in the story because that's honestly just how siu has been writing it in that nature so um you know it, it's just kind of the way it's going to be and as bam goes higher up in the tower hate to tell you he's going to need stronger people to be allies with him and i mean i don't see a whole bundle of super strong OP people. Yes, there are quite a few, but enough to take down Jihad and his army, he is going to have to persuade other people's minds or other people's mindsets to have them on his side to continue said journey. So for, in my eyes, I feel like it's inevitable that it's going to happen. Um, So like it, like you kind of have to get used to it if it dissuades you in any sort of way. And I feel like it really shouldn't. Um, And for the most part, they have had valid reasons and, justifiable reasons for why they are um, joining his team. so I don't think it's anything to fret um, but yeah I, I really don't know what, like a solution to tell people who do have complaints other than I guess don't look too far in the lines like they really do have valid complaints if you don't agree with them fair but I mean there like there's really nothing else that can be done for you in terms of <laughs> continuing the story because it's just going to happen like I'm sorry
1: like, let me let you down here yeah. uh, I'm sorry like that,
2: that's just what it is
1: I would like to say though because it seems like you know obviously we have differing opinions on this one and we, we could spend time just talking about this and at the end of the day it really doesn't matter but I do feel l- like the older I get the more I understand the the need for constructive criticism and voicing your concern uh, when it comes to certain things. And I think a lot of people take that way too literally and they'll complain about the stupidest stuff ever. And I guess that's where subjectivity comes in on what you deem to be worth complaining about and what not. And sometimes, you know, people go after each other for that because they're like, that's ridiculous. You complain about this, et cetera. But to be fair, you know, you want the the story, you want this thing that you've loved and been on board with, um, to, you know, be the best that it can be. And th- that doesn't mean that your opinion is going to b- be right. Cause that's just what it is at the end of the day. So I agree with Gavin in the sense that if it makes sense, uh, thematically narratively, right. If it drives the plot, et cetera, um, you know, that it's going to happen and you're going to have to get used to that. But on the same, at the same token, if there's a legitimate legitimately um, incredibly sour reason or something that seems to be shoehorned or whatever. I think it's valid to voice concerns on that. I mean, SIU, even in his blog posts, um, will refer sometimes to being like, guys, you know, take it easy, relax. And believe me, as content creators, we definitely know that feeling because people could be incredibly disconnected in the comments um, commenting like, why don't you do this, that, the third, and the fourth thing? And it's like, dude, there's 24 hours in a day and we're trying as hard as we can here. Like, obviously, we want to do better. Uh, so I do get that. But to be fair, Like, you know, I know there have been times that we have produced something and put it out and uh, genuinely it could have been better or there were things that we missed and people, some people that were constructive about it and kind about it did voice concerns and I know reading a lot of the comments, I was like, you know what? You're actually right. That is something that we can improve on and I know that I've taken that feedback from time to time and utilized that to, you know, and we've utilized that to improve what we bring to you guys. Now, again, that's not a free pass for everyone to just, you know, be a dick and go on blast but my point is, is that like if there is genuinely a ridiculous reason. What I was getting to is that even SIU sometimes, you know, he, when he, whenever he thanks people, he thanks the people that enjoy the story, but he also thanks the people that constructively criticize or point out things that he could potentially get better on. So just as a general rule of thumb here, I, I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I take the attack on Titan, not really a spoiler, but spoiler alert, right? When like The whole, like the CGI debacle is going on, right? Season four, there's a lot of CGI with the Titans. And uh, I, obviously we all come together and we go against the people that are like ridiculously complaining or to the point where it's getting violent or something that goes without saying. But I also equally get irritated at some people and not the attack on Titan example, but just in a general sense that are so willing to lay down or to defend something at any cost when if you really push them on something you you know they know at the end of the day that something could be produced better or like there was or there was something they genuinely had a problem but they refuse to call that out because they're like no like i'm i'm on board with this and so and so is an author or creator or whatever this story can do no wrong right so i'm going to go after the people that are complaining in any facet and call them ridiculous because hey we 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 have a story right at the end of the day. And I don't, uh, the older I get, I think that there is genuinely room for it. So with that being said, I do think that there is, you know, it's okay for people to voice to kind of getting to my initial point. It's okay for people to voice that complaint. Because, like I said, I will be honest. I had a similar complaint, Um, you know, when it and it was way earlier in the story, at least for that. Because I didn't feel that the reasons were justified, Um, and that's just my personal opinion. So, at the end of the day, it could go on with it, but I would like to see there be actual valid reasoning for it and not just like well that's just how this story goes so like you know get used to it like that's it Uh, you know because i I feel like they're you know the the fans do deserve a little more than that and obviously the the creators do too because they owe it to themselves to make the best piece of work Mm -hmm. that they can
0: which which is also true but you at, at the other token you can't expect that change to be made so for instance with any complaint yes constructive criticism is important, but you also got to realize not everybody takes said constructive criticism and will apply it, and it's dealing with that, and that's where it gets weird when you get into, like, thematics of a story or even, like, Attack on Titan, where it's, like, people are going... People have shared their complaints, and it's, like, you hope that it's fixed, but, like, you also got to kind of... or you, it's how you set the expectation of the complaint. And it's like, in some level, you want it to be fixed, you want it to be fixed and hope that they do in terms, you know, it will make it better for the entire story avenue, but you can't have the highest expectation possible because then you're just letting yourself down. Totally agree. And totally that, agree. and you know, that's yeah. where it really comes into just, try to just be a normal person like be understanding
1: yeah you know. and and I hope I was accurate in conveying that that I totally agree like at the end of the day it's just your opinion so like you can't expect it to be like you know I said it therefore it's got to be changed next week because I totally agree with you sometimes the expectations of what you think Mm -hmm. getting dashed is what the most discouraging part can be so like voice it if it's legitimate and you're kind and it's a constructive criticism and you genuinely love something but don't expect just because you voiced it for it to be followed through With because you yeah. might be dead wrong <laughs> to be completely honest with you because it's just one opinion yeah. or you might be right and it's just not where the story's going it's or whatever you know yeah. so yeah there's a lot to go with it but anyway thank you for the question we appreciate it
2: question six comes to us from sad sparkles to say what do you think about bam's strengths slash weaknesses at this point in the story is he now the protagonist you would have expected from uh, expected this from, mm, expected the first time uh, you heard the premise of Tower of God, or do you have other thoughts? Also, what do you think about Caliban's last words to him? Um, so for the first part about Bam, uh, I, as far as, all right, let's do that in order. Strengths, I think his strengths are, well, actually, it makes more sense, at least in my head, if I go the other way. So weaknesses that I think Bam's character has had is quite frankly that he's just been very naive when it comes to climbing this tower, when it comes to interacting with the people and this world here in thinking that, you know, he's going to be able to save everybody, you know, vanquish all evil, you know, get rid of or turn anybody who disagrees with his way of thinking, um, you know, not necessarily without any hardships, but like without anybody that, that he cares about dying, without any sort of injustices being committed, and most importantly, and most recently, without him having to commit, you know, any said uh, evil acts or, or, you know, wrong acts. Um so these, one of the strengths is that, much like the way he does physical combat, um, I do think he's a pretty quick learner. And I think he's been put through enough experiences now. And I think he has been, you know, he is also an incredibly uh, introspective character, which I actually think, you know, is a you know, somewhat obvious strength. But to be fair, a lot of the other characters that are sort of in Bam's wheelbarrow here, you know, i.e., like a white Karaka. Um, you know, and let's just take it all the way up the chain to someone like Jihad, uh, probably don't do a lot of that. There's not a lot of like, what did I do wrong? What am I, how can I improve? Is this situation not coming out to my liking because of something I'm not doing? Is it because of something I could do more of? Is there a different way of looking at it, right? For the most of them, I would actually argue that Karaka, you know, Karaka might be doing a little bit of this, but it's, you know, sort of a slower uh, burn. Um, but like, again, let's take a white and, and let's even take a jihad. I don't imagine that when things don't go their way, they're like, Oh fuck, I'm sorry. Did I do something wrong? They're like, okay, why aren't you doing? What I told you to do that. You know? And, but bam, isn't bam is very introspective. He's very, when a situation happens that, that he doesn't like the first, you know, again, and you could lean this into a weakness for sure. Um, the first person he blames is himself. He's like, okay, well, what did I do wrong? Why did why did I do this wrong? Is this the best way to really be going about this? Is there another side that I'm just not looking at, or I or I just don't understand? Um, so it's kind of weird because I think his biggest weakness quite frankly, is just that is lack of experience when it comes to living in this tower, interacting with being around people, and I would even say like leading them to an extent because I think the you know i think eventually at least from what how i gather this story is going bam is going to be put in a position of leadership it may not be the new king of the tower um but i'm not even talking that late gate like after you know once i inevitably think jihad does get dethroned i'm talking about like the the charge up there right like when we when we get a, a full army assembled or when we get like a whole you know <laughs> raid team together to like take on floor 134 uh, and even before that i would argue Bam is probably going to be one of the central characters put in the position to like literally be in front and lead that charge. And I think the problem with Bam right now is like a lot of what Calavan's words said that his his actions are can still be dictated uh, by the very emotional side of his processing and, and his brain um, and not so much like analytical or logistics or like, oh, okay, well, you know, we've got 20 people over here and, and 40 people here and these 40 people would be better if we split, you know, like it's more like, oh, but like, I know those people don't want to be there or like, you know what I mean? It's it's very, uh, I forget like what the, not path, I forget like how the how you split up, you know, the the sides of you, of, of thinking, but, so I won't even get into it, but it all points uh, to say that I think Bam's greatest weakness is his naiveness, but I think his greatest strength is that he is able to, his introspectiveness, his ability to learn from any mistakes he makes, you know, due to his naiveness, so that it sort of ends up coming full circle, at least I hope so. Um, and then what are the, what do you think about the, words Caliban said to him. I think they're true, you know, to an extent. I think Caliban's words were a little skewed because they kind of paint that like Jihad's, you know, the way Jihad, I think there's there's more of a balance than Caliban is letting on. I think that his words paint that like, Bam is unfit to be a king because he's not willing to basically become a dictator like Jihad is. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't think that, well, I think Jihad is like what he's, where he is at currently in terms of his position is wrong. And I think the the way he's going about it is wrong. I actually don't think that like he became a dictator once he got corrupted. I think like there was a, the the corruption was a much more slower role and he actually probably agreed to becoming the King of the tower long or, you know, much earlier than like the corruption settled in, so to speak. Um, So I think that like this, the way he words, this implies that like Jihad is doing everything right. Everything Jihad is doing, the way he looks at people like that's how you should be looking at people. Um, Which I just quite frankly don't think is true. I think, you know, where Bam is at is one side of the spectrum and where Jihad's at is the other end. So I think that naturally you probably want to be as close, you know, whether you're on one side or not is really just personality, but I think you, you want to be a little bit more here. And I think these two, you know, characters, Bam and Jihad are just two, far, you know, two, two uh, sides of the same line. Mm. Any thoughts?
0: Uh, Yeah, so pretty much for the Calvin part of this question, I pretty much agree with everything that Isaiah says. Um, in terms of strength and weakness, I mean, the biggest weakness again, completely aligned with Isaiah, is uh, the ignorance uh, of him, which I won't go crazy on because uh, Isaiah Isaiah talked about it, but as a strength, something that I would like to add in there that I like um, is obviously his ability to um, sway people's mindsets and get them on his side um, or, you know, get them off of the track that they were on, whether it was negative or non productive, and um, help them find a new light in their life, so to speak. Uh, so that is a very big strength of his and something that's really cool to see, especially how he impacts villains uh, in particular. Um, another interesting, uh, I I like the question, um, is he now the protagonist you would have expected the first time you heard the premise of Tower of God, or do you have other thoughts? Uh, I thought this was personally intriguing in, even though I don't remember the exact premise because we did start with the anime in terms of watching it. But, um, I would say that I wasn't expecting at the point that we're at, to um, see Bam taking responsibility in terms of the actions that he is putting, like in, in terms of his actions, and he is willing to say, you know, mess with the souls and, you know, make that decision to utilize them in that given time. I really don't think that I would have seen Bam do being capable of doing something like that in the future, just given, again, his purity and seeming ignorance and everything else, based off of who we met in the beginning of the story. Um, so I think I could say that, this definitely has um, exceeded my expectations and what I originally thought and is going down a direction that I personally like and um, am intrigued by because I, it, it gets a little boring when it's just that same mindset moving forward, moving forward. But with Bam, it genuinely feels like it's evolving and it isn't straying too far from his former self, but it isn't just him with that same mindset, just ramming through the entire storyboard. Like it has progression. It has realization. It has that humility to it. Um, And it isn't, you know, something completely different from his original self. And that comes with understanding. And I like that. I really like that. The story has gone down that route. And um, yeah, that, that is, that is all my thoughts.
1: Yeah. um, Honestly, there's really not much more to add on that. You guys really covered all the points there. And uh, Caliban's words, I, I do agree uh, with you guys. Um, I know that Bomb, Bomb has a good quality in the sense that a true king should serve his people and not the other way around. And be willing to, you know, maybe put their life on the line for anyone in their kingdom. Um, but you know, taken literally, that doesn't mean, that does mean that if you're doing that for everyone, uh, you might not live too long as a King. So I think that's where maybe bomb is a little bit into the other extreme where he is willing so many times to throw his life on the line or just completely, you know, forego whatever plan that they had, because one of his boys or girls is in trouble. And bomb does get um the protagonist treatment though in the sense that he generally doesn't have to pay as much of a price as like your normal you know people do right just like in real life <laughs> uh it's just it's not realistic and i guess that's the part of it right is that it's like yeah well everyone's going to say it's not realistic which they do and then he comes out and i guess that's the point of the story right is that because ba- bomb tries and and he does that you know it's it's uh it's better route but again he always usually gets a happy ending when it comes to that um whereas you know what caliban is saying is that don't be so ridiculous because you know you jumping at every single person who's got you know in the thick of it um like what do you you're you're too you're just way too sporadic right you're just you go off on a whim you're irrational you're not going to be able to rule people like that because you have to at times make very tough decisions. But again, I agree with these guys and I think where Calavan does miss the mark is from what I said earlier in the sense that Jihad is the total other side of the spectrum and just treats all these people like bugs to put it in the words of Gustang um, or all of them the same, right? In the sense that they're expendable. When he says he treats them all the same, it's not that he treats them all the same as in, you know, I'm going to love and uplift all of you. It's, I treat you all the same as in you're all dirt, unless you're, you know, up here with me, 10 great families. So that obviously I don't have to go into why that's not a great mindset to have either. Uh, because then you lose that completely human element to it and you just become a tyrant at that point, which is, doesn't make for a good King long-term. So I think like these guys said, somewhere in the middle Is where you want to be on that and understand that very hard decisions are going to have to be made and there are going to be people that hate you even if you try your damn best and you're there for them um but also realizing that you are also human and that there these are other humans that you're dealing with and that you can't just disregard their decency and their life and their worth um, just on a whim because you, you know, want to accomplish whatever your next goal is or whatever. And I think it's finding that balance. So do agree with these guys. Um, next question.
0: All right. Question number seven, by big dumb ass.
1: <laughs> Who is your
0: favorite character in tower of God? Are we just limiting this to one? Or are we, like, kind of going in on it? Or, well, I, mean, I, or, I mean, it can start with be... the preface of one, but are we talking about other ones, or is it just, like, one and none?
2: characters, though.
1: Uh, uh, you the, do well, you, bro. You do All
2: right, you. boo-boo. I don't think you're just going to name one
0: character and not going on somebody else. It's kind of it's <laughs> hard, like, to just do that. Gavin, yeah, uh, let's put it this for, right. way. You got right. this
1: question. You were the first one to answer You set the tempo, my friend.
0: I set the tempo. Well, favorite character. I'm not I'm going to wuss out. Favorite character. Leroy Rowe. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have bias in it, obviously. I mean, it's, oh, fa- yeah. it's favorite. Uh, yeah, that's why I said <laughs> I... Bro, it's been a long day. I've, I've been up since, like, <laughs> No, don't ages. worry. I've been... Um, so Leroy Rowe, I guess, reasoning behind him specifically, um, one, he's an audiophile, which I really appreciate. Um, and he had one of the dopest looking, um, bachelor pads in the entire story.
1: Wait, got you, you said personally. he's an audiophile? audiophile? What do you mean by that? Like, um, what is that slang for? Like, his... Go ahead. I right. like
0: to so say, what is this? Like, well, audio like an audiophile is someone um, or a person who is um, not addicted, but um, really likes high fidelity music and sound. So, so it's oh. like um, it's like it's like a. Ho- I guess you consider a hobby. I can't. The word's not coming in my mind, but it's like you really appreciate music in its highest yeah. form like in a, terms, like terms like a of music listening. Snob,
2: oh, but maybe yeah. snob is like a little bit too cynical yeah. of a word. It's like oh, somebody yes. who genuinely appreciates like the fine detail of everything that, like, high-quality music and sound has to offer. Oh, okay.
0: I didn't know that. Yeah, so I, I just thought that was really cool. Also, and I did looked. you
2: say Bachelor Pad? We've seen his
1: home. Yeah, we do. Yeah, when Coon's yeah. making the – the um Coon's doing some plan mm-hmm. with him, right? And he goes into his house. Yeah,
0: yeah, he goes into his house. It's literally – it was like he was sitting in this chair – and then there was another chair, which respectively who'd sat in. And it was like all, like literally the whole room was cluttered in like record players, different, like oh, just wow. different forms a of a way rhythm. of playing music. And yeah. Well, I, again, I do because I, I just <laughs> love him. Um, but yeah, that was one of the cool things. Another... I mean, uh, uh, two other quick reasons is one. Starting with the anime, the voice actor for um, Lero is one of my favorites of all time, and I don't know his name, unfortunately. <laughs> Me
1: neither, and he's great. I love that no, guy I too. One of you should know his name. I know. right. I, I, I looked I it up. I looked should. it up once, and then immediately forgot it. It's um, hard to remember, you know, because yeah. I'm ignorant. But no, it's funny that you say that because I feel like that guy's been in every, like, almost yeah. every anime this past year and before that. I never knew, and I was like, dude, this guy it's like, and now it's just so unique. But I actually had a question for you on that. Go for it. Because I do find it interesting because we watched the anime first, we immediately gravitated, you and I at least, towards that voice and it being Lara Rowe. Obviously hindsight's, you know, it's kind of hard to say in hindsight, mm-hmm. but do you think that, that his voice acting and, you know, seeing or hearing that rather in the anime is part of what really latched you onto that character right off the rip? Like if you had just web tuned that, right? It's like the anime wasn't a thing. Do you think, you know, and again, it's hard to say because you're already where you are, but like, do you think that had a major influence? So it, it is hard to say. I ha because
0: it's like hindsight 2020, like yeah. remembering that far back. Um, it definitely did pique an interest to his character because yeah. every time he would speak, it would be like, I want to hear this voice actor. Like it just did it really well. And it really fit Leroe with me for some reason. Some people might disagree, but like I just thought that voice fit him very well and it just made him like that that much cooler. Mm-hmm. So it could very well play into it. But um, ultimately I don't know. Possibly I, I would still really like Lero Rowe sure. and he'd be one of my tops as being the favorite. That could be a reason in terms of swaying it. But I know one of, one of the like stepping stones for me where I just decided to really back him was just the sacrifice that he made in terms of wanting to follow Bam and his, Path up the tower because mm-hmm. don't forget he quit and I mean on and got um blitz quit going <laughs> secondly but um he quit pretty much because with interacting with Bam he realized like there was like there's got to be just more to this tower than he knows and he wants to take that journey and Bam was like really the first person that he met that allowed him to take that step and I do feel like like Bam had that impact on him and caused him to make that move. And I also feel like he has Bam's back respectively at the end of it. And I don't know. I just really liked that relationship. And especially when, um, after the Shinsu wall and like, they kind of sat down and had that conversation. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I really liked that initial interaction at the beginning of the story and it just stuck with me ever since. Um, yeah. So I, I will, I will keep it to one Lero row, uh, favorite character tower. God.
1: (laughs) Okay. Um, I would say the one that pops up in my head is Jin I we actually had this question. Isaiah and I did a discussion a couple of months back, um, and somebody somebody had asked this question. They said at this point in the story, who's your favorite? And I do remember landing on Jin Song, and I do think that remains. Uh, there's something that's just suave and cool about his character. Uh, I like the idea of this dude that's just like. Strong as a mofo, like got money like that, and he's just like kind of going around, like puffing his cigarette, like, Yeah, bro, I got my thing going on, like, whatever. (laughs) But then, you know, (laughs) yeah, right, avid smoker here. Um, but then, but had, but is, but deep down is not a softy per se, but has, has a big heart, you Mm -hmm. know, like I like that character, and I like that bomb brought that out of him, uh, and just, you know, the fact that he represents. A father figure to Bomb is a really big deal in this story cuz Bomb has no family bonds, right? He's kind of had to make them and I feel like Jin Song is one of the best representatives of a genuine family member to him. So I do love it. I mean, the guy's just badass. He's got, you know, he's he's just got cool vibes surrounding him in every which way shape and form, but again, at the end of the day, he's got a big heart and he's had a big influence on a lot of these characters within the tower, but I just, I just like his aesthetic. I, I just like, I just like him. He's a cool character. So I think, you know, if somebody asked me on the fly, uh, that would be the first one that I gravitate towards, but there's so many likable characters in the, in the series. How about you?
2: Um, I mean, mine's also not hard to Yuri. Um, I think one of the, I mean, one of the things that draws me this character is that a, like on a, on a, personal note i feel like female characters get so shafted in these kinds of like big uh fantastical fantasy stories that it's nice and this isn't exclusive to yuri but she's kind of in my mind one of the front runners with this um having a very like functionally independent powerful female character that like doesn't need to just like sign up on the protagonist party and then, like, stand behind him and, and make sure that he does all the fighting and all that and handles all the big bad enemies. Um, I think that's incredibly cool, and, and I want, I've want i wanted more of that. And so the fact that she comes in, like, frame one, at, or, you know, we're talking about the anime, episode one, and, like, that's just who she is, 100% I sign on with that. Um, but also I love the, you know, I love this, like, you know, this very rebellious, this, like, free, or, like, I'm doing, you know, she... I, I love this I love Yuri because I think I love the haws like I love their motto and I think she embodies that motto so well which is that like do what makes you happy do what you want and like the second you don't like that thing anymore stop doing it and I I think there's so many in a, in a weird like philosophically you know like way um like I, I think it works its something that like I always try to think about is that like I so for, for, so, you know, for as long as I'm alive, I guess, um, that's like my number one fear is like living a life that I look back on and I'm like, I didn't like that. Like I'm, I wasn't happy, you know what I mean? And it's like, no matter where you, where I end up, it's like, if I can at least be like, I did enjoy every second though, or like as, as many seconds as I possibly could, like that's, that's enough. And I feel like that's that, like, that is Yuri to a T. She's going to live the kind of life that she wants to live until, you know for however long she can. And I just, that like rebellious, but like also kind of mischievous and like a little bit like, you know, starting up trouble and like getting, making things, you know, loud and crazy just for the sake of it um, is interesting. And it's a fun character dynamic. I think, you know, compared to a lot of the characters that I also think are cool, like a Hotz, but it's like, Hotz is also like a very noble and honorable character. And like, you know, if you told him not to move that pile of leaves, wouldn't move a single leaf just on the principle that you told him to. But it's like, you know, not, not any, you know, downing on hots, but it's, like, it's just kind of boring. I like it when characters, like, you know, are, are willing to sort of just, like, fuck with the status quo and the rhythm of things just to, like, get things going. Um
1: Yeah. No, that's fair. I like that question. That was a good one. Now let's list our top 10. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so moving on to the next question. All the coons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We have by uh, Quill Callis. Don't know if I butchered that name. Apologies. Close Which now that I'm remembering, you had a question by them and you said the same exact thing. Yeah. You're like, sorry if I butchered your name. My it's bad. a weird like, spelling Um. Name. What do you think about the power scaling and where will the story go from here? We still have around 75 more floors to climb. Can the anime go back to the tests on each floor format or is it going to be a war after war until the end? Did we reach these massive fights too early in the story? This is actually a very good question and potentially a controversial one. I love those. So um, what do I think about the, the power scaling? It has jumped. What is it? What are they doing now? Sheesh. It's, it's gone up, man. Um, it, it's gone up for sure, man. What are the kids doing these days? That sounded sheesh. so old. <laughs> Dude, I love that shit. When somebody, somebody did that the other day, and I was like, what are you just doing? They're like, sheesh. And I was like, bro, and I was doing it all over the place. It's just like, it's it's so very like,
2: fun. that's like what your dad would say. Like, what are the kids oh, no, doing sorry. now? Who? It's like,
1: Huh, oh god, bro! I deleted TikTok so long ago. So like somebody told me that the other week. So I'm like, I don't know TikTok trends, bro. Or like every day, it's a different yeah. one. That's so just, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, nowadays, bro, it's just like crazy. I feel like an old man. But anyway, you are. I am. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I am.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: without even a doubt,
1: we were just on <laughs> that, that's that same page. So bad. Hundred percent. Oh man. Hundred <laughs> percent, man. <laughs> that's cool, man. I am who I am. But. Uh, um, anyway, see, it's fun. Um, but <laughs> I know I've seen videos of that <laughs> it. It's so stupid. But bottom line is uh yeah, the power scaling has definitely gone up exponentially here. And I would be lying if I said that isn't a fear of mine that I always keep on looking and I'm like, we're on floor 52. I'm like, we're like a little over a third, and I'm like, you know. We got a while to go here. And I feel like we kind of threw the whole test thing out the window a while ago. It's always just referred to now. It's like when Jihad came, they had to do the administrator tests. And, you know, we need a test to do whatever. But we don't really get that anymore. If anything, we get you know, something reminiscent of a game sometimes, right? Like we could incorporate that in this next arc where Yasrach is about to impose a game with them, but we also see those games kind of get flopped on their head within five minutes, right? Like the last time we tried that in the, uh, the dog, uh, the cage, you know, they're like, let's play a game. And then none of the rules were followed at all. So it's like, yeah, I do think that that whole floor of test thing is long gone, to be honest with you. I think it's been long gone, to be frank. Um, I just don't see how we go back to that from here because it's just like everyone in terms of power scaling is just so freaking powerful and it's so nuclear literally the fights that they're having it's so large scale right all of these things are taking place in like these giant open planes or like in the sky in space whatever and uh i guess there could be tests to be fair maybe i'm just not creative enough to think of you know multiple ways you could utilize the power that they have and incorpor- incorporate them into tests so fair enough um i'd like to see something like that i think that'd be cool <clears throat> but i just think where the story is right now I don't think that's where it's going. I think it's like we have these giant, large-scale things, and then, you know, it does a time skip. We hop up a couple of floors. It's implied that they pass whatever test that they had there. Um, and then we get into some of these side arcs where it's like we recruit people like your Yamas and all that kind of thing. We get some more information, and then it's like the next big thing again. I think that's where it's going. Um, so, yeah, and and with that being said, we're at this level of scale with power when it comes to uh, Floor Fifty Two, so where that goes from here, I don't know. But the the one solace to me though is that I have to keep on reminding myself that I have to look at it in terms of bomb, and I can't try and look at it in terms of like Kell and stuff. Because to be fair, Kell and all them that is the pinnacle, right? Like it's they're they're the top X rankers. So like they've been to the top of the tower. So really, it's like. If anything, the power just stays that, right? At least for everyone else. I would assume it's not like it could get even more grand than that unless it's Bomb specifically. And even Bomb isn't at that level yet. So I have to keep on reminding myself to look at the regulars and then Bomb specifically, even though he learns at a crazy rate. And then I think there it's like, it's okay. But he does he does rank up pretty damn fast and you know what it is i think it's just that the rankers have such a prominent role in all of these arcs that it feels like the power scaling on a general sense has already peaked right because again these are people that have made it to the top so that's for me where it's like it becomes a little scary you know i don't know i
0: pose a question to you this this is this is my problem i actually i fully agree with you um with that continuing the climb obviously this where your implication comes in where there has to be a time skip because i feel like a problem to in doing this is that you can't return back really to the normal climb because now you've involved rankers heavily in like almost every aspect for the last season or so where it's like bam is now at this level where it's like all right, what are you going to do? Send him back to the test floor? He's just, he's literally just going to knock out everyone. Like he's going to, like you can't, like is just so high above, you can't put him back on that track. Not to mention, it's going to be boring for viewers to watch because sure. he's literally just going to one punch mollywop anybody who comes in his way. Yeah. And the only people who can give him a run for his money are the same people who are doing it now, i.e. Rankers. So it's yeah. like, it, it, it's a very weird, like that's where it gets dangerous when you're playing and why I don't with reaching the massive fights too early, I do feel like that is a problem that has happened. And I wonder how SIU is going to address that. And even if he says it in like a blog post where he's like, wow, maybe I kind of should have like held off a little bit early on. Like I, I I feel like it has to be a weird mental thing as a writer where it's like, how do I progress this story and like, keep it interesting and going well, Hmm. you know, I add new things. I make bigger fights with bigger people. Sure. And it's like just how, how are you going to regiment yourself in writing it to where you kind of just shot yourself in the foot where yeah. it's like, what am I going to do in the future? Like you get like, yes, you can keep on making the fights bigger and bigger, but it's like, how do you add something new in the mix when now you can't really revert back because you kind of put yourself to, a whole new level. So it's where do you play with it? And that's where a time skip tends to come into play. um, Or, you know, a jump to a floor, however many years in the future, which uh, honestly he kind of has been utilizing that recently with like going back and forth and like going back in the year and forward a year. Like it's probably like, it's going to have to happen to in terms of like a time skip. Um, But I just wonder if that is a detractor from the story. And I guess that's my question to you is, did he muddle the middle of the floors completely? And is it savable at this point?
1: Yeah, I think um, that... In a sense, kind of relates to the last question here: Did we reach these massive fights too early in the mm-hmm. story? If that's what you're saying, and I do, I, I do thoroughly believe that we've reached them too early. Now, to be fair, we're almost 500 chapters in, but for the scale that this story, I assume is going, that actually isn't that far. Maybe I guess it, more all to things the floor, considered. Yeah, I guess it's the f- yeah the floor relatively is mm-hmm. what throws it off for me. That I think like floor 50. Is you know is is maybe too early, but then again, I have to think of it in terms of bomb. But I do agree with you. Uh, I think that they they did reach it, and that's always been kind of a, a knock for me with this. With this, is that um, I feel like the introduction of rankers and these super powerful people were, my personal opinion here, um, introduced too early in the story. I feel like they were almost introduced from, from. I mean, they introduce Yuri, although she doesn't really do anything until the end, but I would argue even at the end of the first floor where they smash um, the assassin from Red, um, Rice Ball, and, and then onward, there have been a lot of, you know, here is the main squad, but here's also someone that just is playing a level two level when they're level 100 and then, you know, we're going to have, and then they're going to have their own thing and then sometimes they're going to help, sometimes they're going to not. My personal opinion, I would have liked if rankers and like high rankers in this kind of had this alluring mystery to it still and it wasn't until like way later that it's like those people finally make their appearance and it's like, wow, they are here because they need to be, you know, like beyond just the people that run the test floors like Lower Row and stuff like that, it's like once we get there, but that's just a personal qualm. Um, so I don't know, I guess, again, I think the people that are at the pinnacle right now are going to stay where they are. Cause I don't see them going much further than that. And it really just has to come down to bomb and his squad, um, you know, coming, coming up the chains and seeing how much they, they go. I think if there's a time skip, maybe they go depending on again, how long he wants to run the story. But I think the next realistic floor would be 77 just because that's where we song is. And, um, that's where Yuri said to meet Yurik. Uh, he's like, when she she said, tell bomb when he gets this, you know, just come see me at the 77th floor. So I feel like that'd be the next major thing going on. I don't know if they want to stop anywhere in between, you know,
0: it kind of just hit me though, a way that SIU can do this to kind of get back to the original format, which is what I think he was even kind of alluding to in his blog post is that he is really preening bam, you know, to the spot where he's at now because quite literally he doesn't plan on going back to him until a later date in the story, and who is the perfect character to hone in on, who is at a very primal state in their development, Wang Nan in power. So Mm -hmm. SIU, if I'm reading you correctly, I feel like at the end of this whole BAM situation, the whole story is going to steer clear of BAM, focus on Wang Nan, get his development, and at the end of that development, we're going to be much farther up the tower, at, I'd assume, to where you'd expect Bam to be. So it's almost like a natural time skip and then all of a sudden introduce Bam on whatever floor way higher up in the tower and now it's going to be more relative to the fighting going on and we're going to be kind of taken away from it because now we see it every chapter. When we go to Wangnan, we're not going to see those stoop like those old crazy over the top fights anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you're naturally going to forget about it as you progress through Wangnan's story then go back to Bam as he's on that level. Yeah. We're gonna be back to those grandiose fights where it won't feel like it's so like drilled into our head because yeah. we're gonna have like a progression time in, in, in the meantime where we almost like forget about it in a yeah. sense. I so can see that, that is how
1: I My thought like, is, yeah. I wonder, I mean, I don't wonder because I know people are gonna bitch about it, but I wonder how many people are, you know, if they go back are now like, oh, why aren't we? you know, I wonder, I wonder how the fandom is split. On that, well, I you mean, know, or he if He already are. did it
0: to us, though, with the introduction of Wang Nan. Like, yeah. Literally, it was just Bam, like, God, we woke up, yeah, yeah. and it was just Wang Nan. I we're just like, feel well, like, that I guess the, like the
1: fights weren't as, like, super large scale oh, well, at that yeah, point. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. what I was talking about, where it's like, oh. you see Yvonne Kell with a oh. giant flaming elephant. You know what I mean? And then it's like, okay, we're going back to Wang Nan. Like, I guess that was my, my The favorite. other
2: thing is, if Bam goes up to, like, floor 77, and we just stop following him and go back to Wang Nan, who's, you know, I don't know, let's say he's at floor, like, I don't know, wherever Sweet and Sour is, right? I guess they're... 40s floor. or something, on do 50s. Yeah, point. I don't know, whatever, 30s, who cares? <laughs> it's going to be below 50, but I guess my point is, he's going to have to go through the same floors Bam went through. Mm-hmm. And I don't, personally, I don't find it realistic that if Wanganon doesn't progress at a level similar to Bam, that he could climb the tower As and quickly. get go through the same floors. That And, like, fair enough, maybe he doesn't go through the same exact conflicts, but, again, this goes into the problem, which this part I do agree with. We've definitely introduced Ranker's... I wouldn't say too early, but too frequently. So now, sure. in my mind, that's the only natural threat once you hit like floor. Because <laughs> that's the thing the Hell Train, what? It skips from floor 37 all the way to, or uh, no. Um, what, what, is, what are the floors that the Hell Train like sort of fast it passes was like you 42 to, 42 to. 42 to.
1: Uh, was it like, like five floors? <laughs>
2: 42 to... Yeah. 42 know. to 48, <laughs> I thought they ended on like 41 or fifty-two. Or some
1: yeah, they're at 52 now. Well, they're at 52 now. But I thought they ended at like and they 41 got all, on the hell yeah, train. and they got and off the they, hell train and, at... And then they skipped like 10 floors in their time scale. Okay. Or I guess my, my point is, <laughs> is that... it <laughs> ended on 42 or 42. I
2: don't is know. Is that the hell train is a fast pass past those floors, but like because it's that much more difficult to like stay alive on the hell train or sure. like ride the whole way through... So, but that tells me though, that regardless which of those paths you take, like you're going to have to be capable enough to handle whatever, like, I guess my point is when, when do the tests, I feel like actually in the tower, the like regimentness of the test just stop at some point, because at some point it's implied that even as a regular, you're strong enough to like handle just fighting people. And again, Mm -hmm. I I do think that the problem there though, is that like those people have become rankers like in, in the, in the story as we're following But again, I think that's like kind of skewed because it's Bam that we're following and Bam's, Bam's journey is not the typical journey. I don't think what Bam is going through is what most or any regulars really go through at all. But I I guess the thing is, I'd have a hard time believing that Wang Nan could progress at all if he stays in the same, same, like, you know, uh, version he is without any sort of, because Wang Nan's not even, you know, I love that dude to death, but he's not even like up to snuff with like, a whore yang. You know what I mean? Like he's it, combat capabilities. He, he's a ass. Yes. <laughs> he kind of sucks. Well, like, no,
0: but, but like, but like what you say where there's something to him, like we, we have to have his development, which we know is integral to this entire story piece. So I'm not saying we're watching him climb floor to floor to floor, but it literally is his development. And that, and that naturally, because like you said, quite frankly, he's ass. Like, he he's has not ass. Well, we, well, no, but in fighting, in, in fighting. fighting capability, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we know he has to make it higher up in the tower. There is a whole lot of development that we're missing out on in that time that we need for his development, which has to be shown. Because, quite frankly, if they just kind of poop Whangan back in there and he's like <laughs> so much stronger and we got nothing about it, that I feel like is even more annoying. So, well, we get yeah. like like like, like a
1: shot in the foot type thing because I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie i do see where both of you are coming from and i do have to agree that i think it'd be a little weird for us to go like re-go through the floors again but then i also agree that it's equally as weird to have him just like just like pooped out where he is and i'm just like i i feel like you're kind of damned if you do damned if you don't type thing you know and it's like i guess at the end of the day bomb is the protagonist so it's like I guess maybe for me, some I got a little bit of my hopes up when we saw so much of Wang Nan in the beginning that it's like, this is the other protagonist. And I guess you could argue he is, but like at the end of the day, I have to keep on telling myself, this isn't Wang Nan's story. It is bombs. Uh, at the end of the day, like SIU does say that Wang Nan will have appearances and, and mm-hmm. we're going to get all of his things answered. But I guess I, maybe it's like a pipe dream for me to hope that they're going to go that hard on Wang Nan again. Um, you know what I mean? Like compared well, to what I, they used I to. I think
0: another thing is I'm not harping on we're going to go up the floors like that's that's not my like i don't think it's going to be wang non we're watching floor by floor but i do think that he is going to spend a substantial amount of time in his viewpoint flushing over things because oh, okay. that is the only natural break in this story that you can have from bam because yeah. it's happened literally already before sure. and you're not going to do it to a whole another character so how do you break from where we are with bam and have that natural climb in the tower and you ha- and that's where it's like it has to be wang non Or, or something, i guess else so super what, I,
2: what i was saying though is that there's nowhere for Wang Nan to go but up the tower, right? Even if you, like, go back to his perspective, mm-hmm. wherever he is, he's not going to, like, go back down floors and, like, you know, to the floor mm-hmm. tests and stuff. The only place to, even if you want to switch perspectives, like, again, all these characters are relatively doing the same thing. So even if we don't go floor by floor, let's say we, we skip, mm-hmm. like, you know, t- groups of floors by tens or fives or whatever, mm-hmm. The implication there, though, is that Wong has now become skilled enough to get to that floor. And I don't, unless Wangnan gets some significant combat power-up, I I don't believe, quite frankly, that he could get to floor 52 exactly the way he is now, which would imply, much like Bam, that he's had some significant power upgrade. But my point is, once you do that to the character, you sort of have to, like, pit them against somebody so that you can show the audience exactly where they're, they stack with uh their new or mm-hmm. combat abilities or power-ups. But it's like, then you're, like, I guess my point is, you do it a different way, but you ultimately, especially with this story, because it's so heavily structured around just everybody doing this one thing, like you get to the same thing. It, may, it won't happen the same way, and he might not meet as many rankers, mm-hmm. but like Wang Nan is going to climb up the, these floors of the tower. Yeah. He's going to have to get stronger to do that. So he's going to get into relatively the same position that Bam is, where it's just going, you know, climbing, getting stronger, mm-hmm. and, you know, eventually getting to the Yeah, top. but that
0: that's kind of the purpose, because don't forget, the way Bam is taken this journey up the tower is quite different from everybody. Like, let's keep in mind on floor 52, you aren't having these grandiose fights in general. Like, like no, like nobody has really done that except unless you're a special case like this. So uh, I do see what you're saying. However, I, I also think that there has to be a natural story and we do need way nine's development. And even though we are eventually going to have to get to that level. Yes. But that is also where you add like that, I don't think it's going to be like we watch him literally catch up to Bam and we're watching that through and through. But with being able to go back and forth as they're climbing, although he might be lower, it allows you to get his development, then possibly flash back to Bam, and then Wang Nan's there. Like, there just has to be a break somewhere, and it ha- and that's the thing. It just has to be Wang Nan in some way, shape, or form in terms of explaining his storyline. If he is as integral to the story as SIU has set him out to be, then it's going to have to happen. Mm-hmm. And then if not, where does it happen and how does it happen without it being shoehorned in, making sense, and not introducing a completely new character?
1: Yeah, I think this is where we get into like the expectation thing versus potential reality in the sense that I think a lot of this hinges on how long the story is going to go and realistically how much SIU is going to put into this because it's like we're at 485 and he's now had to take over a half a year break and for completely justifiable reasons. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about this in our blog post discussion, but some people might have the expectation that he's just going to come back. And then like, it's all good. Like everything's fine. Like you don't get rid of a hernia like that, that easily, like you need surgery. Right. And if he didn't get it, he still got it. Right. Um, even when you get surgery, it's still not like a a magic pill that Mm -hmm. you're fine. Uh, not to mention his wrist, not to mention all the litany of health problems and issues that he has in his life. So, Even him coming back, I don't know the rate at which he writes, uh, draws the story. Mm -hmm. If he continues along the same rate, if he doesn't fall back, unfortunately, and I don't mean to be pessimistic here, but it could be real, back into the same sort of health problems that he had, which would then, you know, produce another hiatus, whether indefinitely or not. Um, Mm -hmm. And there might realistically be something in SIU that's saying, okay, how much more can I take of this before I want to put a bow on the story? Or do I not? you know, rush the story or, you know, uh, omit certain chapters that I wanted to do and know that maybe I can't continue on and I give it off to somebody else and stuff. And we've been around the block with certain things mm-hmm. that do this, right? You take your berserks, your hunter-hunters, etc. There are, you know, there's certain executive decisions that have to be made. Yeah. And so I guess at the end of the day, I think it depends on how long this story is planned on being and how oh, realistically yeah. long it can be. Because I think if it's going to be like a one piece where it goes shit, we're already already 500 chapters in. What's another 500, right? If we go that route, then I could definitely see like a long-term Wangnan thing again, right? Where it goes there, but um, and I do think he obviously has to answer those questions. If he doesn't have the ability to keep it as long, I can see where he cuts it shorter, or it have to be know? a time skip, or, or that's, yeah, that's like just only, a straight yeah. up time skip, and he doesn't even do the Wangnan exactly. thing because he's just he's like, s- I just need to get on with the next thing. Yeah. By the way, I'd like to change my favorite character to Wangnan because I totally <laughs> forgot about that. And Jin Sung's the first one popping my head. No, I'm just kidding. They're both they're both awesome, but I um, love Wangnan.
2: It's interesting, though, because I actually don't, like, just in terms of the question here, I don't actually uh, think that we got to where we're we're at in terms of power scaling too early. Because, again, sort of like what Ian was saying, like, if you think about the regulars, the group that we're traveling with, like, we're not, like, Bam's not at Ivan Kell's level. Bam is not, you know what I mean? Kuhn's not at Iban Kell's level. If that's, remember, like, Jihad is a high ranker. Mm -hmm. There's nobody, there's nobody past A high ranker which you know if so my thing is until they get to that level like that's when i'm like okay you know fuck now we're now the power scaling has has really jumped but i assume we're not get you don't get to be a ranker until you get to the top of the tower let alone a high ranker so i i imagine that as we're going up these floors like it is kind of a weird damned if you do damned if you don't because bam unfortunately the kind of you know the character he is and the this is the thing in the story, the potential threat that he poses almost requires some of these stronger characters to go down to where he is and sort of snu- try to snuff this problem out early. Yeah. But then you have this counteracting of like, you can't actually snuff out the problem because then you don't have a protagonist. So yeah. it's like Bam can't travel up this tower the way a normal regular would. He just can't. The, w- the way his character exists in the story, he just can't. The problem is he, you can't be like, all right, we'll save all the rankers until floor 80 or whatever. Cause yeah. it's like, what, Jahad just doesn't let any strong people try to get rid of Bam? Yeah, like yeah, his order was literally to kill Bam and all his friends. So it's like it's kind of this weird thing where I guess at the end of the day, and that coupled with the whole SIU, you know, what his plans are for the story, comes down to like where what your tolerance, what you're willing to take in terms of like how the story portrays itself. Cause he's either gonna go the route of like, look, I'm telling this story. Bam's eyes, right? You you naturally just from the lore understand how a normal regular might go through this tower, but like that's not this story. This story is Bam's story. It's not, you know, Jimmy John the regular story. It's not, you know, Wang Nan's story, whatever you want to classify him as. Um, you know, Wang Nan is maybe integral to it, he may be part of it. Uh but this is Bam's story. So this story is going to involve characters that maybe you wouldn't see on X-Floor if you were a regular or, you know, but I think my my like I said before, my only real issue Is the fact that we've consistently met so many rankers, not necessarily that they, the parts that they were introduced, because the problem is, like I said, Jihad is a high ranker. We've met rankers and high rankers already. So like feasibly, sure enough, we have the ranking system. So like there's high rankers that are stronger than other high rankers, but Mm. we've met people that are at the level status and capability of somebody like Jihad, not obvious, not saying power level, like, you know, fr- uh, straight out, but like have the same exact title as in high ranker that Jihad does. So it like kind of skews the, the, under, the, the, the understanding or like the imagination side of things when it's like, oh, I wonder where Bam is going to get to by floor 80 or whatever. It's like, well, Probably at Ivanka, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, Like, yeah. we've already seen where he has to end up, and that yeah. has already been presented as a threat to us. But then, the, it, yeah, I don't know. It's weird because as many ways as I, as I think you can be like, oh, like, did we, you know, we'll just take this out or get rid of that. It's like, you kind of can't, unfortunately, because the way the story is structured, like, it just doesn't, it has to go down this way. But I think as far as, like, the, the test for stuff, like, from way back from floor one, or, you know, the early floors, um, I don't know. I don't actually think that, like, it's a, I, I, obviously, I definitely think we're over it. Like, we're, we're not going back to it or we're not revisiting it because we just can't. Like you said, with the whole cage scenario, it's like, even if we do, like, let's play a game. It's like, why the fuck would I listen to you? <laughs> yeah. I just throw a nuke at your face. Um, and sure enough, we could just operate off, like, the, the principal system. It's like, I could throw a nuke at your face, but I won't. I'll play this game. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Fair enough. That might be what this Yasaracha thing is. Maybe that's how we do it sometimes. But I guess the point is, I think now you just kind of honestly have to adjust the 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 mind frame and I don't mean that in like get over it, but like like Bam Bam has to be at X power level now because of the kinds of threats that are being thrown at him. Yeah. And he's just quite simply not going to be in a position where he is gonna to need to Play a game now, you now, like you were saying before, maybe it's a creativity thing. I could see if every if power level is a problem and strength is the issue, I could see you being like, Okay, here's a game or a test where the only way to win is like not killing people, or like it's not about how, how strong you are or how much you can fight somebody. Like you take that out of the equation, okay, now we have some interesting variables to play with. Maybe we can mess around with characters who aren't good at fighting, but again, that won't matter to pass this test. So, fair enough, you could do something like that. But I guess they're going to become a lot less frequent (laughs) and they're going to, it's not going to be about like, Oh, we have to pass this test because we can survive. I think there's going to be a lot. there's, There's going to be multiple elements at play on any given floor now where it's like, yeah, we might have a test. We might have a game here, but like, there's always going to be like kind of a side thing we could be doing. And you know, we have to like understand, I guess that bam, could just get up and fight this dude if he really needed to or wanted to or whatever. I don't know. It's kind of it's tough. It's tricky cuz like you said, SA, I don't want to say he wrote himself into a corner cuz I don't really that implies that like he didn't want to go here, which I, I think he did. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here in a sense. So, but I don't know. It's it, it let's put it this way. If you're trying to get back to the test method from way back when, yes, you did write yourself into a corner cuz I, I realistically don't think you can get back there without anything making no sense at all.
1: Yeah. Damn, see what you did, Kals? <laughs> <laughs> that was a hell of a question. Yeah, you got knows? the next one, by the way.
2: <laughs> um, next question is from KP23798. Assassin. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, from Red, trying to kill Agent us. 47. Uh, his question is, has SIU done justice, injustice to any character?
1: Yeah, Um I'd like to petition for
2: more bikini shots. Um, <laughs> no. And I want Yuri to have more screen time. Yeah. <laughs> I um, want a million dollars. Okay. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, Has he done justice, injustice? Uh, I mean, it it is tough because, okay, like taking that joke into it though, like there are characters that I'm sure we all have biases towards that we do want to either have more screen time or be more relevant to the overall story um, and just aren't for whatever reason. Uh, So in that sense, my mind wants to be like, well, clearly that's an injustice. But it's like, again, going back to what we were just talking about, I do clearly think there is a, Penultimate and central vision for this story, and I think S.I.U. does know what he's doing in terms of like what where he wants to go and like the route he wants to take to get there. Not everybody might like that route, but I don't think that that innately means that like he's doing injustice to the characters just because the route he's taking doesn't involve them or doesn't involve them as much.
0: Well, there is one that we know for sure. And that is Rack, quite literally. (laughs) Yes. Like, like like there's no defense for that, because SIU, (laughs) the horse's mouth, said this bitch is too much to draw, so I'm going to literally draw him in this state the entire time. And by the way, you might have a fight or two for how many chapters are we on? Let me check my watch. like 500, and I'm... Yeah, definitely an injustice for Rack. I'm well, actually, angry you about actually, you
2: know it, what's so. funny? That figure is actually supposed... To, like, it's a miniature figure, but that's supposed to be Rack at his... his big <laughs> oh, so there. they're lazy too, huh? <laughs> you, whoever
0: made this thing... Oh, I, I'm, this beer's broken, but I'm going to fix it, and I'm going to throw it at this camera. And right, it's right. Say, say, down, me, say yeah, that, say that. No, I'm going <laughs> to their shins.
1: I'm actually very happy that you took such a defense for Rack before I even did, because I thought it was always just, like, presupposed, that it's like, ah, Ian stands Rack, and all that kind of stuff, but I genuinely yeah. am happy that you took his defense, because I completely agree... I agree. I think if anyone did get shafted in the story, it is literally rack. And I, and I do beyond a bias. I do genuinely think that, I mean, not even for the drawing itself, but I do feel like rack a lot of times is just kind of, and you know, to be fair, he has a lot of amazing moments. You could be like, what do you mean? I could pull up 20 moments, but it's like for someone who's supposed to be like part of the trio, right? The main three, I do feel like comparatively speaking to someone like Coon or anyone else Um, uh, relatively speaking he doesn't actually get enough times to shine and he is kind of just portrayed as like you know he has his moments but at the end of the day he's kind of like this kind of like this idiot that's just you know going around and And, it's like I don't know maybe I'm undermining him because I know there's going to be a billion people that are like what are you talking about and I get it. There are plenty of moments where he has his time to shine, where he gives the sauce to Coon, he gives the sauce to Bomb, and he helps them grow, right? There have been, <laughs> there have been you know situations that are, are beyond counting. I get that, but I'm just saying, for someone who's supposed to be like part of the three-part pie here, I do feel like, all things considered, he does get pretty
2: shafted, well, and so I now, do agree with the fights would and Would you say so. that there's a difference between being shafted or being given injustice in terms of screen time versus importance to the story? Because I actually think that your importance to the story does not necessarily directly correlate with how much you're on panel or on screen. Meaning Rat can still be just as prevalent to this overall story just because he's not on panel as much as Coon or Bam. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: but I think it comes in frame with this question where it's like it it was blatant obvious coming from the author saying like obviously he's relevant and it's important that he's there. But at the same token – it is blatantly obvious that he just wasn't given that screen time because it just wasn't within the time of day in terms of being able to draw his character. No, like, no, no. I understand it, that it,
2: he wasn't given enough screen time, but that's my question: is is I don't think that screen time inates to injustice as in like he's not as important to the story.
0: No, and no, I agree. But like at the other side of it, it's like with someone who is as important off screen and that he has that impact on the storyline. Like, it, it's, it, it's it's more – I'm more just going at the question because I see what you're saying, and it's like, all right, fair. But at the same time, it's like, in my eyes, it is just a blatant injustice. And, like, doing the quite opposite and just giving him a little bit more would not have taken away, would have made him, I could say, even more relevant in a lot of situations. Because although he is a foundation piece, like, and he does come up in clunch movements, and he is still just – you like – I Like, granted, he is just as important as a character and he gets less screen time. That says something. However, how much more of a relevant character, like, it can make such a greater impact, I feel like, if he was given more time of day and that could just make the story even better in that regard. So, if anything, my answer would be that he is doing himself an injustice, even though it might not be deteriorating the plot and he still plays a role if I feel like he did give him a little bit more something, it could play into the greater good of the entirety of the story and give even more of a presence and um, more of an impact that he would get. But I feel screen.
2: like, I don't know, I feel like there's characters like Wong Nan, who actually, if you, I think, to be honest, if you count, well, I don't know, actually maybe not if you compare them to Rack. I don't know what they're like, you know, what that number is. But who haven't had a large screen time presence in the story, again, compared to like a bomb or a coon. Um, but as IU has stated, are go- are going to be integral to the story and play a very critical role. So I just don't know if ah, like that's
0: a hard one though because like it was it was honed in on him for a long like for a while, and then the sweet and sour like I feel like Wang Don is a hard one to compare it to. Like I don't well, know. But I, what it, what I'm
2: getting at is I don't like you were saying that you think that Rack being on screen or I I don't know why we keep saying screen because we're not talking about <laughs> a, a show uh, on panel more. Would be like a better, uh, would be even more of a benefit to the story. And I guess what I'm saying is if there is already a plan in place for him to play an integral role in the story, is there something about just literally him being on screen more that, like, like what is it about him being on panel more? I said screen again. Uh, that would give hit like that makes hit that more important than well. If he... I
0: I feel like I feel like something that faults the way that it's currently seen is he actually doesn't feel like like it, it's a relevancy thing because we know he's it's raccoon bam but it's just it, there's never rack like it's it's always bam it's always coon that is in your face and it's like. Rack it's like he's there and and this is why i feel bad for him as a character cuz whenever we see him it's like yay rack like yay but it's there's no su- there's no like real substance to that character other than oh it's quirky rack he he yells he screams he shouts it's funny but literally other than that there is nothing else to his character and coming from SIU who we literally love him for his character building other than just the comedic reef that the comedic relief that he brings, which granted you could say that's his entire purpose, but it's like to also be seen as the backbone three characters and regarded as that. And for just the little presence that he physically has other than his comedic relief, it's like I just feel like they're missing out on a lot and that he did deserve more at the end of it.
1: And yeah, I do argument. feel like personally, Rack's character is almost been kind of... And this might be a controversial statement, but kind of... And this is coming from someone who really likes Rack, has been just kind of rendered irrelevant. I'm just going to say it. Um, yeah. Hot take there. But I do think that he... When he comes along in the beginning, his goal is to be able to fight and and go against some of these strong opponents. Um, he's ba- Bomb is supposed to be his prey, uh, and then he, ser- he serves this comedic element, but on a serious note, he does serve as this kind of antithesis to Kuhn and his perspective on things in the sense that he helps Bomb grow, not in the exact ways that Kuhn would, but more of like the animalistic primal instinctual ways of like, do what's right. Follow what you believe to be right and do that. But I do feel like to be fair, that Kuhn has played a way bigger role in terms of helping bomb go along his growth path and has kind of overshadowed rack in those things, because I feel like rack sometimes will have some zingers and some pretty cool stuff. But like bomb has kind of can learn a lot of those lessons and has learned majority of them from some of the other characters and Kuhn being the one who trumps out rack really. So I feel like his, his, his role is like this deep character um or like the, having this deeper mode has kind of been overshadowed by those things. I do feel like he obviously has his comedic element, so that was there. But then also, his, if you know, we're talking about fights and stuff like that, I do feel like he's gotten shafted on that front for sure because if a part of his whole shtick was I'm going to come to the tower and be able to fight these strong opponents and stuff like that he's someone who like literally never fights and whether that's because he doesn't want to be drawn or whatever. He's just like, he's kind of been designated to one of those characters. That's like incredibly weak, all things considered. And I know I'm going to get flack for this. Cause like, what do you mean? And he has the rocks. He, he got the ancient spear. I'm not saying there can't be things that happen in the future that definitely give rack his due where it is. But for someone That was, you know, supposed to be kind of part of that main trio. And again, I understand that doesn't set it in stone, right? Just because he was with them and happened to be there. I get that. But I guess to me where the story was going, it seemed like he was going to be kind of like the yin to the yang, right? And like bomb was in the middle. So that's just where I'm coming from. So fair enough. Um, I do feel like all things considered, he does get kind of overshadowed and shafted. And now for like a lot of it for me now is just to like, I kind of want to know more about ancients and rack just seems to be an ancient, but again, that isn't even exclusive to rack. So it was like, I don't know, like kind of one of the last big moments I remember having for rack is when he saw the picture in the hidden floor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ooh, that intrigues me for rack again. And then like, he got his rock powers and stuff. But then like beyond that, again, he just kind of, he just kind of fell. That's my personal it's fair.
2: I guess in my mind, like, I don't really, like, I think, I don't know, I would actually make an argument that, like, Rack has also been, like, integral to Bam's character development, and I don't really, I think, because in my mind, I think, I think just the fact that somebody like Kuhn is on panel more makes people think that he's, like, doing more for Bam, because he's just, like, cons- he's, like, literally visibly standing next to him or near him, um, but I don't, I don't know... I guess in my mind, not every, not every character has to be on panel all the time to keep their relevancy or like remain an integral part of either a certain character's development or, you know, you know, stay their course. Cause like, I could see a thing where it's like, you know, like you were saying with the ancient thing where it's like, oh, we learned like, you know, obviously like, I don't know, but like, let's say like Nick's arc, right? We learned like, oh, Rack is an ancient one. And like, the reason he can do this is because like X, Y, Z, and like, this is going to play a part because like now Jihad, like, you know now that like Jihad thought he got rid of all the ancient ones, but like he didn't cause Rack is still here. Like whatever I like, but I don't know that like Rack has to be another, like on panel all time, very serious and like, you know, breaking down the philosophy of life character to be relevant. That That is a fair argument. And I do want to stress that uh, while I do think that
1: his lack of paneling, especially when it comes to like fights and showing what, his character was supposed to be an embodiment of has fallen short. I do want to say as well that I do understand and agree with you that they don't necessarily like more panel time doesn't equate to more relevancy in all senses of the term. Um, And I'm not fully, I'm not fully arguing for that. Like I'm not saying that because rack has had less panel time, that makes him less relevant. I'm saying that even, uh, even the other argument again, which I agree with is that, I also think that his character has lost, in my personal opinion, relevancy beyond just the fact that he's not on panel. I think his integral part to the story has kind of like, as the stories progress, become less and less so. And then he just kind of comes in at moments. And again, this is opinion, but comes in at his moments and has those zingers or like, you know, puts bomb along a path. He's done it like once or twice or whatever and is there and it's like, here's Rack. Um, but I just feel like there is, there is, I don't know what it is, but there's like this soul of what that character could have been to me that is that is missing and i guess it comes down to subjectivity at the end of the day you know know. what i mean
0: i feel like that comes with panel time because that's the thing it's like yeah you see him pop up in the future but it's like that's the whole thing where it's like if 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 it was and i'm not even saying it needs to be every single panel but Mm -hmm. like literally put him in there more because he is losing relevancy in my eyes because he's not getting that panel time and he's just disappearing. Like literally he would just disappear off the face of earth and it's like, where is he? Oh, he pops up 20 chapters and it's like, oh, okay. Like he's been doing this super secret thing. And it's like, I don't know for me. That I kind of feel like
2: though, like think about like the traveler, right? Like that's a character who like has been on panel, <laughs> but I could tell you forget every single time if he's even still in the story and being on panel in my mind, does not make him more prevalent to the story because he's still kind well, of as.
1: To be fair, though, if he wasn't on panel at all, then it, we wouldn't even have brought him up as an example, right? He wouldn't even be a character. Like I think I I guess I feel like his the relevance of the character is is I'm in a middle ground between this, and I feel like that the traveler is a is a weird example because he he is no. He has no relevance to the story, at least, that I know anyway. So, I guess him being on panel or not makes no difference. Whereas, like, yeah. because he doesn't even have lines when he's on panel anyway. Yeah. He, is, I guess well, what I'm trying to okay. say. Well,
2: okay. Being on panel and, like, doing stuff on panel are two different things. Yeah. Like, you're saying every time Rack is on panel, he has to be, like, saying and doing something versus, like, you just physically want him in the room and visible more? Like, that's because that's what – I guess that was my point. Because if he's just on panel, like, visible in the room – but he's like doing a traveler thing where he's just, he's just there. Like that doesn't make, him well, I don't relevant. think we're arguing no, that. No, if no, I don't want to speak all. for you.
1: No. Yeah. But that's, that's, not, that's what I'm not what I'm saying personally, no. I'm saying that he, the soul of what his character should represent. I feel like is underrepresented just on a, on a, on a whole. Yeah. And I do. And I do think there's a middle line where it's like, yeah, they don't have to be on panel to still be relevant. You know, you take someone like Wang Nan who's been out of the picture for a while, but to be fair, I do feel like it helps, right? You take like a, um, I can't help but think that like most people gravitate towards a Coon or something like that who would probably have a split with Rack, at least that was my initial assumption. Um, but you know, Coon is way more prevalent in terms of his paneling, which gives him more of an opportunity to put forward what his character is all about and to have those moments that were like, oh, that's why we love Coon so much, classic Coon, right? Like I feel like Rack. A doesn't get as many of those, but B, even when he is on panel, it to me is also shafted because he doesn't really do much in service of the story for the reasons that I personally explained. I don't know. It's a yeah. i We eh, could go back for the Any other characters that got shafted? I just feel like there's just too many characters in the story. To be real, I'm just yeah. full of hot takes
0: today. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess Kai Horiang. I was thinking too. I was like split because I'm like, oh, he really was like awesome. To be fair, it's not like they can really cue back to him because like he, they, 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 that ship has sailed. And I mean, in a way, you could say that is an injustice because they kind of just like left to him after (laughs) they weren't supposed
1: to. No, yo, you know who they shafted? Um, the uh, Chicken Little. What the hell oh, is his name, Oh, Gitang. Why should, do I remember that? The, the, chi- the chicken with the shuriken on his back, no, no, bro. No, I know, isn't he dead, though? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They oh, should oh, have they the been alive. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I wanted to see that guy cut loose, bro. Yeah. <laughs> just so there's like, giant shurikens on. him. I back. sleep at night all the same. <laughs> day, <though>. Yo, <laughs> Yo wait,
0: I'm like, wait, wait, imagine if he had to fight love, though. I feel like that would have been very dangerous. Dude,
1: I was like, no way, he's gone. sitting out there
0: with, like, a little frying pan, trying to fucking cook him up.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of characters. Oh, I actually genuinely think, Another character that's gotten shafted uh, is um, Boro, right? Am I remembering his name? <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah. Boro. is that
2: the character you love yeah
1: if they Boro. Got shafted? but yeah, yeah Boro. right his Boro. i don't know why i just had a brain fart dude we've been at this for a while no I, no i know i just don't know what character you want me to
0: remember Boro. yeah yeah is okay. yeah, Boro. Yeah, yeah. Boro. Boro's Boro. <laughs>
1: but that gang i feel like Boro got shafted i'm not gonna lie as a character too because i feel like he had his badass moment where he had like the whole samurai duel thing right where the guy comes in with the three tags or whatever and he's like Step aside, kids. And he's got, like, his his students, and then he just, like... <laughs> does, like, his one powerful just, swing. Yeah, just, like, wrecks that and dude, and you're like, this guy uh, needs this, business.
2: This might be a hot take, but I actually kind of like the fact that there are characters that, like, don't innately always have to be with us the whole time. And, like, that they, we see them, they do their thing, and then they just kind of, like... Uh, well, up.
1: I would like to say, too, that it's not... And I feel like this is was the crux thing with the rack, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but... At least my argument is not necessarily that I think someone like Boro or whoever is shafted because they are not with the squad for long enough or they don't whatever. I think it's that the relevance they have, you know, with the squad and like when they get hyped up to be this is what you could expect out of Boro and then that's not what Boro delivers. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the times it just seems like it was like he's got this like badass demeanor. He's there. He's like he knows the train this whole thing he has some, you know, he has relevance there, obviously, because a lot of that arc centralizes around him, Daniel, and that whole thing. But I would even argue he doesn't have like a super, super duper thing. And then, you know, beyond that, it's like, okay, this, I guess kind of harkens back to the question about like the villains hopping on, but I think you could take this for any character. I, um, I'm like, okay, you know, he's like, all right, I'm going to come up some floors. But then uh, to me, he literally like passed that does really nothing and he just kind of seems like this scared old dad that's just like oh my god what are you crazy kids getting into again and it's like what? like that didn't seem like the boro it's like why are you
2: here you know well, like that, thing that was though. my like thing. boro and sachi joe's going to kill us those, those were people <laughs> who like all their whole existence in the tower up until Bam came was just running the hell train, basically in like a video game, like just running the yeah, hell train yeah. level sure. over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So like, in a way I would think it actually kind of distorts their view of what the tower is. Sure. And yeah, fair enough. They're traveling with Bam who like we've stated is not going to have your typical experience climbing the tower. Yeah, yeah. But like once they started climbing, nevertheless, that's who they signed up with. Sure. Once they start climbing the tower, they're like, "Whoa, Jack, I've been on the hell train for a minute. This isn't really what I thought. Like I thought we were going to get like a little tougher, but like, I think it's like Boro. Is a cool character, but he is a regular dude who has sword skills, which are great, but, it, it, like, I, I don't know. I like the fact that, like, because I even, you know who I think about sometimes? That chick with the pink hair who got her hands fried by Yura way back when they were doing the test to get on the Hell Train. Remember with Bam when and they first met Yura and Yura was like, I'll tell you where Rachel is if you, like, beat me in this game. And, and he had Boro, some other dude, and that pink hair chick who wanted to be a, who was a fan of Yura's. Oh yeah. yeah, yes, 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 yes yeah. Yes, 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 yes. When she got her okay. hands wow. fried, and then she's like, you know, and then because she got her hands fucked up, she couldn't get on the hell train. Sure, sure. But her her goal or or you know ultimate you know thing there, I think it was to be an idol like Yura and like yeah, I, I guess so. my thing is I like that there are characters who their their innate goal doesn't have to be like just keep climbing and stay with Bam's team as long as possible. So in my in my mind, Boro and Sachi being like. All right, this is a little too rich in my blood. We're gonna hop out and do our own thing. Like, actually feels a little bit more realistic than just being like, well, we're here. I guess but they were, they were
1: strung along for so long. Like I could see that argument if well, it's so like, okay, we
2: got to the next couple
1: floors that's or the a thing. floor. I actually think they should have like, left earlier. Th- yeah. yeah, I guess that's what yeah. I'm saying. So I could concede that, that it's like, okay, they go up a floor and they're like, you know, that's what they're saying, like, holy crap, this isn't the Hell Train, you know, this isn't Kansas anymore. But you know, I think a character like that, the yeah, longer that's they fair. stay there, like, yeah, it's like the less relevant they become, and then it's like why? you here. And I feel like I will say hot take is that I just, I do feel like there are too many characters in this story from time to time. Like I get it that this is a large, oh, that, yeah, world, slow, but I true. feel like, you know, in general, <laughs> like, I mean, on a general sense, but I mean the ones that like we're supposed no, no, to no, follow Yeah, But yeah, yeah I feel yeah. like just in general, like it's almost like bit off a little more than we can chew type thing where it's like, I don't know again, how long this damn story is going, but it's like so many things that have to be answered is number one. So there's that. And then there are also other characters, you know, like your boros are like people that are supposed to retain relatives relevancy and then you know unfortunately just kind of fall off and then it's like dead wood and it's like why yeah, are you here yeah. you know what i mean and it's like and then we have characters that just have to go do their own thing and it's like well what are they doing why did they were how or why were they able to get where, where we are you know like your rands your Novics, whatever you know it's like there's just a lot to handle so like it's just kind of part of what what goes but anyway let's move on <clears throat> to the final question
0: all right and for our final Question of this very long discussion. <laughs> Number 10, Irene Sharda, who I've got to say, I'm always terrified before I have to read her questions <laughs> just for the fact or just for the fact that I know that they are a teacher and I literally feel like I can't let them down because that's how it was in school. And I'm like, I need to answer this to the greatest of my ability because if I don't, I'm not going to sleep and cry. <laughs> just fucking do so Irene, it. you did this to me. <sighs> Let's talk about Duan. All right. Duan states that their fight was for nothing simply because nothing changed and that fighting won't change anything. So, so they should just stop fighting back. She also is willing to do anything for the hostage, hostages that Luboric had it taken prisoner. Learning about Kuhn Luch, Luch's sad tale and what Luboric turned him into by holding the lives of his captured friends over his head, I feel like he would have eventually done the same to Duan. I agree with you. Um, what do you think of Duan's outlook and fate? Also, do you think Laboric would have really given up his bargaining chip like he promised Looch, or was it another lie? Well, I'm going to quickly address the last question. Um, if there's anything that I know about Laboric, is that it's a complete lie, because why would he ever do that? And, and quite literally, he lied right to... Um, Calavan's face like he is the guy to lie um, I really couldn't see a legitimate argument um, for the contrary thought in that regard um, and if there was I probably wouldn't believe it just from what we've seen of laboric to be completely honest with you um, so yeah complete utter lie if it it's his character um, as for Duan's outlook and fate um, I mean I'll give it to her she has the right intention like fighting's bad wants to stop fighting like I get that um, I don't think that It's feasible in this case, just given, um, honestly, where she woke up and what has been going down in the meantime when she's woken up. And quite literally, it's annoying her outlook at this moment because that's just not – it's not possible. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I get it. It's good intentions. But right now, you're really kind of putting a wrench into things um, and doing, honestly, a little bit of the opposite of what you intended. Um, But, I mean, I guess – I can't fault the outlook because really she just wants peace whether that's attainable or not is up to discussion but I I really can't knock her for it I guess um in terms of fate uh it's interesting because we know that Cha is there and you know the relationship that they had prior to just you know taking a thousand year nap so I would hope that their fate happy ending i mean if you want it for if you want the story to have a happy ending then i mean i'd hope her fate would be to you know have some sort of rekindling with cha romantically and maybe go off on their own merry way and do their own thing and live (laughs) happily ever after however i kind of don't think that's the way that this story is gonna go uh, or at least their specific one is gonna go um sad face and yeah sad face I mean, you hope. I mean, I guess you kind of hope it's positive. But then I'm a weird sadistic fuck, and just kind of hope that it doesn't work out the way it's supposed to be because that kind of makes it more like entertaining in a way. (laughs)
1: And and it sounds
0: so messed up saying it, but it's like it doesn't sound messed up. It is messed up. All right, all right. You say it is messed up, (laughs) but I mean, it. There's there. Wow, I really can't explain it without being like I'm a psychopath. Um, it. There's just some weird, not gratifying, but um, it's like an entertaining thing in a weird. Demented way when it's like something that is supposed to happen doesn't happen, but there like is legitimate reasons why it can't happen and wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. And there's almost like I almost feel it to be realistic in a sense. It's not a fairy tale. It kind of brings in the reality of the situation, what's going on, and the different mindsets and ideologies that are clashing, and that nothing, not everything turns out the way you intended it or hoped it to be because that isn't real life. And, you know, in some cases it does work out good. That's cool. And, you know, if you work hard at it yourself, eventually you can get – to that and you know do those things and climb those hurdles but relationships isn't necessarily the same thing as like oh you work hard and you'll attain it like there's two parties that need to you know consent to that relationship and you know that doesn't always work out for a lot of people like that fairy tale ending that you wish that that would happen with a specific person doesn't always pan out because there is that other person's viewpoint. And that is the most important thing that you're both on the same page. And right now they're not. And you know, if they don't necessarily come to the conclusion where they are on the same page at the end of it, um, I feel like there is a realistic note to that and can be interesting. Um, but also sad. So yeah, I guess that is as far as I'm going to
2: go in on it. Um, in terms of, Do you you have any thoughts? Um, I've realized since we've started reading Tower of God that, you know how like you're saying like with the whole like oh it's it is it's important to have like those stories connected to a sense of like feeling like real life where it's like mm-hmm. you know you have consequences and like you know uh, just because you want something doesn't mean like like that that's enough to get it like I want that though <laughs> like I, I I like fairy tales bro like there are <laughs> there are times where like I'm just reading this story and I'm like. Okay, I could see this not working out, but I don't give a fuck, dude. Like, (laughs) Go meet this person, do this thing, and give me some relief. I got enough stress in real life, bro. I didn't come here to get slapped in the face by, you know, the cock of Tower of God where it's like, nope, sorry, real life sucks, and everything isn't going to work out. I'm like, "Uh," But, like, sometimes. But you want to know a
0: trick? Because, not going to lie, with a lot of what I just said, is I am purposely also setting the expectation that the bad of the bad is going to happen. So... On vice versa, if the fairy tale if the fairy tale does come out with me saying oh. it's not going to happen, when it does and if it does, it also it's I've got to say makes it that much greater and, and more of a it. surprise. So there actually is a catch twenty two for it, and I okay. mean I uh, that is yeah, also isn't that kind of like the
2: source? Go ahead, go ahead. That is in the two years-ish we've been doing. That's the smartest thing you've ever said <laughs> That is. That's a good point. It, there's
1: something to be said about that, right? It's like the source of sadness is failed expectations or, like, yeah, failure yeah. to
0: meet those expectations. What we've you, been you can't about fail the expectations story. if you don't yeah. have expectations. If you think the story's
2: <laughs> going to be shit, <laughs> if it's anything better than that, you're like, well, I had a good day. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, for one, would like to see Cha and Do Yeah, and I, I do. I I do, <laughs> and and I, I'm just, I'm not as good at it as you, yeah, Gavin, but I, I do, I am hoping that they reconcile, and I am hoping that they get together in some facet, maybe it's like, you know, not quite the same as it ever was, like, maybe that's sort of the tragedy, right, is that mm-hmm. the relationship could have been something maybe a little bit more pure and and instinctual or whatever you want to call it, but the circumstances and the tragedies that Jihad's Empire has laid on both of them individually and just time, mm-hmm. like, in a weird way, they've both come out of that, that frozen in time state two different versions of themselves, and yeah. so they can never... Because that's the other thing. Doan is technically not even just Doan anymore. She's yeah. Doan mixed with her sister. So it's like, it's... it's They are... He's like, <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> whoa! <laughs> Fuck. Oh, I was literally so like, don't say it. Don't say it. But then you said it. Um, I was thinking it. Yeah. We're all thinking We're all thinking it. All thinking it's it. like... <laughs> it's, uh... I was like, so which one am I, yeah. which one am I talking to right Every now? Every time they're fighting, he's like, is this Doan talking? Or is this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doan's sister's like, my turn, my turn. Yeah, he thinks it's like
1: awesome at first. He's like, booyah, two sisters. And then he realized that he has to fight with two people, you know, because it's like that one person has problems and they switch and yeah. the other person, he's never knowing who he's arguing with.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I, I hope they get together, but even if they do, I'm, I am acknowledging that it probably won't. Ever be, or that's my consolation to the story. I'm like, okay, there's your real life beat. Like, make it be the tragedies of this war and their lives mm. that of what they've been will yeah. make it so that even if they get together, their relationship's never gonna quite be what it could have been. Yeah. And and I'm then fine they with die. That. Yeah, and then they get hit by a meteor. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But as far as like Doan and her whole like viewpoint here, I do think it is, you know, somewhat fundamentally skewed. Where it's like, I I, I do understand that she is come out of the, uh, you know, the time capsule or whatever she was uh, frozen in. Um, and it's sort of pissed. Cause she's like, guys, I literally gave up my <laughs> life so that you guys would fucking cut this shit out. And not only have you not cut this shit out, but you yeah. doubled down on like the schemey backhanded stabbing nigga in the back shit. And you're doing it like, w- and out in the open, you don't even care anymore. And like, so, and she's like, you know what? Fuck it. We're just, I'm just done. I'm not fighting any more wars. Like I'm not, but it's like, I just kind of feel like it's weird to take this stance of like, everybody should stop fighting in the middle of the war. Because that was the other point that one of us or somebody made when we were reading chapters before is that like the war never stopped. It just like took a different form. It just mm-hmm. sort of changed shape and the way the fighting happened changed, but like the war didn't stop. So yeah. like you came into a war, you can't like walk into the war and be like, all right, enough, <laughs> I'm done with this. It's like, as, as shitty as it sounds like, you you know if you wanted to end that bad, like I um, would. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I would uh I would like sign yourself up with the side of the <coughs> war that you believe needs to end said war. And fair enough, maybe that's why she's like, oh, I'm, I think Jihad's going to do that. But it's like, I don't know. I just a lot of head scratching because I'm like, well. Isn't that? Aren't they the people who fucked you over? Yeah, like is like the at purpose the start. Of is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like I know she's like, oh, they kidnapped my friends. Like Laborix says, I got to do what he says. But as we've covered, like that nigga's about as shady as shade, bro. Well, <laughs> like you, you think he's just gonna be cool and like, oh, dude, Doan, thank you for helping me out. Here's a certificate to have whatever you want for the rest of your life and your friends. I just let them go. They said they want to go get smoothies, like have fun. You've earned it. He's gonna kill them and then kill you. Like it's just, I feel like there's so much like you're not thinking about past like the actual fighting. So that's my bit.
1: Yeah. Um tackling this question. Um so yeah, I think uh Laboric I actually might have a slight I do agree with the guys, but I think I might have a slightly different take in the sense that I think that he does scheme it, but I don't think it's because Laboric is like, ha ha ha, I'm just this evil piece of garbage that no matter what happened, I was going to kill them, right? Like I do think there is some like form of analytical thinking on this where he is weighing the options and he does kill them, but I don't think it's solely because he's just sadistic. I think it's because he's, he says in his mind, okay, these realistically, these people pose a threat to us, right? At any given time, these people are super strong. They were on the front lines. They were named heroes. Um, no, <laughs> no, I'm not letting them go. Like, what are you, what are you crazy? Right? If they were like some insignificant peons that, you know, maybe he deemed had no possible chance of doing anything that would hurt the army, then maybe he does actually keep his word on that. But I think this guy is just, he's cutthroat to a T where it's like, he he doesn't play games with any sort of chance. Now, to be fair, you could then pose the argument that no matter who is captured, if they have, you know if he thinks of any possible solution that they pose a threat to Jihad's army, which the solutions can get, or the, you know, the hypothesis that he's jumping to could get slimmer and slimmer to the point where then he would kill them anyway. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but speaking of killing people, yeah, (laughs) my phone's going off. Um, so yeah, but I think at the end of the day, he still does kill them. Right. Um, you know, for, for those reasons. And I don't know, maybe he is just sadistic and I don't know. Um, also, do you think uh blah blah blah? Let me see. Yeah, he would've done the same thing Duan. I was just trying to answer this from the bottom up here. Yeah. Because um, Dewan's a philosophy, I think, is the um is the real question here. Right. And uh I would like to refer her to our friend Aaron Yeager. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think he might have some choice words for her and her uh, unwillingness to fight for what is right and freedom. Okay, <laughs> no, but on a real note, I think that um, I think that her outlook is a bit naive, and I think that. Maybe I'm just, you know, a crusty old bag for thinking the way that I do and that I would have to watch a little bit more Naruto or something like that too. And and all these shonens and all of these stories of the happily ever after to maybe snap snap myself back into the semblance of hope where it's like, well, maybe if you stop thinking that was a futile cause and you actually contributed to it, then maybe together we could solve something here. Fair enough. But... Maybe I'm just that crusty, pessimistic old bag when it comes to this particular question and that, you know, human beings, man, it's just, you know, I understand the tower, not everyone's human and in the tower. Things are different uh, than the real world to some extent, but in terms of people wanting to kill each other in war, I would actually argue that the tower might even be worse <laughs> so or just as bad. Uh, it's just human nature, man, to to take problems and solve them. And sometimes we formulate problems that don't even really exist. We just kind of make them of our own invention to then solve them. There's a, I think there was some, obviously I'm going to paraphrase here, but there's some quote by some famous person or whatever that basically said something along the lines of, you know, utopia wouldn't even be possible and if even if it was possible I guarantee that the people eventually would bitch about the utopia and Mm -hmm. probably try and tear down that perceived utopia because they didn't have anything to bitch about they would bitch about that they had no problems right and that would be their problem so then they would now tear that down right and you even see this right where it's like there are certain uh, storylines where the villain is coming down or whatever uh, because the life has become too easy right so now it's like nobody's strong and anymore in the event that something could happen. So now I have to throw some like crazy chaos into the mix to make everybody nut up and be strong again <laughs> in the event that we get attacked by somebody else or whatever. My point is, is that f- this, the fighting... The way I see it is personal. Like uh, personally, the way I see it is inevitable, uh, given the nature of human beings. And I could be wrong on that, but that's just where I'm at in my head right mm-hmm. now. You're welcome to change my mind. Um, so <laughs> you have to talk to Bam. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're we're literally Ian's talking about the ultimate destruction of humanity, being oneself, and just how that is going to be our fault. And we're just yeah, that's it. That's what it's turned into. Yeah, yeah. It's basically yeah, it, man. Humanity sucks. Yeah, well, let's just end it right now. All right, guys. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Oh, you can't say that, can you? All right, um,
1: you're the loudest person in your own house. I have to tell you to be quiet half the time. <laughs> like,
0: look, Gavin, shut up. Yo, I, I'm Italian. What do you want from me? I'm have. I may not look it, but so I'm half Italian. Yeah, and you don't use it
2: properly, yeah, and I do. I don't use my, I don't. You don't challenge. use your Italian properly. You got to do yeah. the fazooli, and you got to get get Yo, it done. So. Gavin doesn't get kicked in the butt if he's too loud. We do. Yeah, because <laughs> so there's no consequence for him. To no, me so oh, well. trust me. House. <laughs> no, I do. <laughs> but my point
1: is here is that I think that her mindset in this scenario is very naive in that her thinking that she's just going to stop fighting is going to change, is going to maybe can change things on a small scale because you can inspire somebody else. But in the grand scheme of things, I feel like the ship has already sailed. And uh, if anything, you might be causing more damage by not doing anything than actually just fighting for the side that you know is right and doing something. Uh, Because there's going to be fighting for as long as this tower exists. There's going to be fighting for as long as humans exist because we're going to make problems with each other. Uh, It's just a matter of choosing the right side, I guess. And, uh, you know, fighting for what you genuinely believe to be right, what you really believe to be right. Those fights are Mm -hmm. always going to be there. So I think that she is just... Misguided on this one, thinking that this just not going to do anything. There are times where n- not fighting is the proper way, um, you know. But like you take like a Mahatma Gandhi or a Martin Luther King or something like that, right? But to be, f- you know, also relating it to them, that 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 non-fighting serves a different purpose and is a different way of leverage in their in in their own way, right? Because they are, you know, in in their particular scenarios, they definitely were at the absolute disadvantage so at that point not fighting was actually i would you know i would say a tactical maneuver in that sense and a strategic thing that worked in both cases um to some extent so but i don't think this is one of those extents i think that it's like this is a this is an enemy that's just going to just completely annihilate you and there is not going to be any sort of negotiation here so you just gotta you just gotta do what you gotta do um yeah hopefully that answered the question <laughs> um I'm sure yeah. it did Did you have anything else? No. Uh, (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) I think we're ready to check out here uh, indefinitely when it comes to this format of Tower of God. Hopefully you guys... You know, I wouldn't blame you if some of you hopped off and on because this was yeah. the longest discussion we've had to, uh, date. to date, literally ever. Uh, so hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If you did, make sure you are hitting like, subscribing to the channel, hitting the bell, you know the drill. Comment your thoughts down below. That's the big one here. What did you think of the discussion? Uh, the sure. questions posed, how would you have answered them, etc. obviously being civil down there. Um, hit us up in our description so you could get our links to uh, the AOA Reacts channel to watch the live read-throughs, to watch Watch our live reactions to various shows in Tower of God. Um, also make sure you're hitting us up on Patreon uh, where we now have access to archived streams um, which is a cool thing that some of you might consider hopping on for. You get exclusive benefits to the show while supporting us. It's really a win-win there. We have our Discord as well. Just because we're done reading Tower of God for now does not mean that we are not still covering it and it also does not mean that there are plenty of people in the community that still want to talk about it. So definitely hop into the Discord, talk anime, talk Tower of God, talk with, our, with all the brilliant people in the community as well. And uh, <laughs> Kevin's got people fall to the roof. And uh, <laughs> big shout out to our patrons, uh, especially our Acolytes to Anime, Stoic, Meduit, Nathan, we love you all, and all of our patrons for that matter. Uh, no comment of the day here, because we already covered that in the last discussion, which uh, time loop here we recorded yesterday, but actually wasn't yesterday for you guys. Point being, we didn't see the person who re- replied to the first oh, discussions thing shit. at the end, because... The first video wasn't even up yet when we recorded the second video. This is your
0: name all over again. Yes. <laughs> so what <are> doing? <laughs>
1: some time travel crap going on right now. Travel, but we love you all. If you did make it till the end of this video, though, uh, let us know who your favorite character is in Tower of God. You could only choose one and why. Uh, if you Ooh. made it till the end of this one, seriously one of the real ones yeah. here. So like you're actually cool. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even make it to the end of this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we <did. laughs> None of us even made it to the end of this one. Like, yeah. Our bodies physically did, but like our minds were checked out on question yeah, two. We're so, all asleep at home already. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you did, seriously, nothing but thanks. Um, but anyway, folks, that's going to do it. Stay along for the journey. Some more anime to come. Tower God is not over. So the climb continues. But until next time, we will catch you all on the flip. Peace.
2: Peace. Peace.
1: Ninjas are samurais.
0: Blaze of the cool knives. Find me in the leaf of the cloud. Screaming out Bankai. We just some ghouls though. Who like seeing parts fly. They like what you saying. Goma got more through the storylines. I tested your net in the start. My hundreds gon' come for your heart. I promise you'll land in my boulevard. Left them in one piece.